Today is the day, Josephine. The Dodgers certainly hope so. And a couple hours from now, we'll find out. But right now, sit back, relax. we got a big ball game and a whole lot more coming up right after this. It's a down. Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. But listen closely. Not for very much longer.
where you are. That's enough. And it's possible. Leave it. Cut. Leave it. But I have proof. And tonight I'm going to show you something. Make you believe. Oh, no, 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 you kidding. 
I cleaned it like I said I would. I was very, I was glad I did because I, I mean, I, because what happened uh, last week, I actually wound up stepping out with one of my, with my, it was supposed to be both of my bobbleheads, and it just became one, it, it became one of them, and uh, uh, KCBS happened to be there and, and photo opted us, so I looked so clean. Oh God, like, like literally, like I got my hair cut like four hours before that photo op, so you know I'm like, oh thank God. Nice. I know, right? It was like, oh God, I did that right. Son of a gun. So and the best part about the haircut was, it was right, it was two blocks from my house. <laughs> I mean, Jessica for, for, I mean, she's been they've been there. I went to this other one, and, and they got close. She got closed because of uh of the queue of the virus, and and honestly, I was gonna stop going to her because she was very uh Salvadoran woman that that's pro Republican and pro Trump. I was like. Okay, like every time I would come in from the time he got elected, I had to hear that shit. It was like, okay, I, yeah, it was like, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want anybody to close down their business necessarily, but I'm like, uh, I see he helped you out. You got mail. No, no, not on this one. Uh. Mopey. <laughs> <laughs> 
Seriously. I was uh, talking with our good friend, uh, the Reverend Brian Yorton, just a few short hours ago about that. So I'm finally in the presence of greatness, huh? Like, man, at some point, the words super depression crossed my mind. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's a mutant form where now I'm aware of it and I sit with it. It's, a, it's almost more depressing than not knowing. Or, you know, you know what I mean? Not recognizing it for what it is and just being it. Now you're sitting with it and honoring it, telling it it's okay to be a part of you and shit. That's almost harder. Accepting that part of yourself. Ugh. Gross. Feelings feel feeling. <laughs> but, conversely, it's a very good uh, invitation for the female persuasion and population. Because one of the very few things they ever hear or find in males, especially a male dominant podcasts such as ours is guys talking about their fucking feelings <laughs> you know then now we will will we go from there but in in kind not in turn but in kind uh, an article came out uh, today uh, from Hollywood. Uh, regarding, uh, I have to pull up on IMDb Pro, uh, but it regards, uh, regards Me Too, it regards, uh, sexual bias, racial bias, uh, but it was a study in Hollywood, let me pull it up here, send you the, let me send you those tweets, I almost don't even want to have an opinion. I almost, I almost didn't even really want to do a show today, and, it, 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 and of course now getting that email, <laughs> that's almost cryptic. Mm. Um, she wanted, you know, she wanted me to listen. To, she wanted me to listen to her, and she refused to listen to anything I had to say. It was like, no, no, stop. It's not about you. And I'm like, I know what I voted for. Amongst other things. Amongst other things. Well, yeah, what she's saying quietly, but not so quietly, and quite frankly, you just said it. It's not about you and her demand. That's probably the wrong approach, by the way. Honey, not vinegar. Uh, This thing, I called her. Mm -hmm. True that. True that. But she's looking, but also you realize she's looking for an ally. And maybe she even sees in you not only history together and longevity of friendship, but someone else who has been marginalized or held back sure, yeah. or paid less or not given the opportunities or expected to dance monkey dance when others didn't have to for the same fucking cookie or any of these. So she's looking for an ally. Now, if she wants to come at it and be win-win about it, she could say, hey, let's stand together, and while we're on our collective bigger now soapbox, we can speak to those that feel marginalized or discriminated against, be they straight white women, uh, straight black male, 
gay Latino in America. Uh, and, like, and there's like a thousand different subgenres that I could continue to go down to a degree. It's not okay for straight white male to make an argument for discrimination at any point in society for, you know, for the last five years, let alone probably into the next 15 or 20. And you know what? I think we've fucking earned it as well. We've earned uh, the right to just shut our mouths up and take it for a little fucking while. I mean that sincerely. I mean that sincerely. Um, we've been in fucking charge for too long and we've been bastards about it. I'm calling it the way I fucking see it. This patriarchy of white, hetero, Christian male is the only way to go in society and in life, and if not, you're evil and or of the devil is frankly fucking absurd and bewildering to me. Always has been, always will be. Um, and because of that belief system, because of that now societal structure, women are held back, blacks, Latinos, Asians, and it's it's always been a race for anybody that isn't me to catch the fuck up. Oh, man, is that fucking honest? You want to talk about race relations? That's the problem with race. It's always been a fucking race for everybody else that isn't straight white male to catch up. And it's bullshit. On an even playing field... It should not be that way. Societally and structurally, it shouldn't be designed that way. That's fucked up. That's what's fucked up about the situation. It's also fucked up to come all up in your DMs and demand your immediate attention, and you're a horrible person if you don't. You're just like the rest of them. If you don't pick up my fucking sword and charge into battle with me on this issue right now, that's also the wrong approach. And the wrong perspective, in my opinion. Shit. I'll say the most sexist white male thing I can say now, and that is that Miss Fang needs to calm down. <laughs> is on next week and to get that text message from her for me to you know relay that tweet again and I mean literally I got in bed I mean I got under the covers man <laughs> then I started reading it and then then you know how that goes and you're just like rapid firing like under the covers and like what the fuck <laughs> it's come to this shit I mean you're doing this and Oh mercy! I mean, you're absolutely ridiculous, and 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 like I said, you know, you know, she's getting you know personal with me about foul ass shit that shouldn't ha should not fucking happen because of some stupid fucking guy, and, and you know, and, and and I read that, and 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 I feel, oh, 
I, it shouldn't even be fucking happening. It, it, really, though. And, and, I, and it doesn't make me stupid. Or, or, I mean, I, and I have my naive moments, no doubt about that, but. If you, if you want to use the term innocent, okay, fine. In my young, in my young 20s, I mean, I, I can honestly say, I can, I, I can honestly say, I mean, you know, we knew of the words rape and, and sexual assault and things of that nature. And, and, you know, this is during, you know, that time, you know, with Bill Clinton and such, but I, I, it it blows my mind on on other levels just how 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 it just continues to go on. I, I mean that's it. That's really it. I mean, you know, when 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 the shit happened with Clinton or whatever. I mean that that should have been enough of red flags because I you know I even said myself, okay, you know, just what if Monica was a Russian spy? And you're doing that shit. What the fuck, man? I mean, I mean, amongst other shit, but but you know, just security shit, natural security. I mean, you know, that should have got you know under a lot of men's grills just about how to behave. It unfortunately didn't. That's that's the sad sitch of it, um, and it all stems from self mastery. There have been plenty of years in my life, uh, admittedly, where my dick ran the show. Ask anybody, they'll tell you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you don't, you don't really whip these things into submission, pardon the terminology there, um, overnight. And even where I'm sitting today, I'm, I'm by no means the perfect male, but then yeah. will you ever find such a thing? And even if they do find such a thing, will they then want it? So, I mean, how many questions abound on this one particular topic alone, men and women, and their interaction, and what is deemed appropriate, and who should be in charge of that, and, like, what's the, uh, psychic rape, or, um, theta rape, or, uh, mind rape, there's... There's some terminology going around now where if you've fantasized about a woman, you have intellectually raped her. Like, your thoughts went over there and somehow, because it was without her consent, and I'm like, isn't that where it all starts in fantasy to begin with, is a desire for us to, or a desire for them to, and we should probably figure this out. It's only been millions of years that we've been fucking now as human beings, and we should probably get a pretty good handle on it because uh, we're going to need it if we want to keep going yeah. on the big picture tip. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. America, no, no country in the world is more uptight about their sex than America. Ugh. Period, in a sense. Hmm. You're for real. No, it's, do, 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 do you hear me even contesting an argument? It's the weirdest. Uh, it's the weirdest sort of. I mean, just you know, just I mean, let's see. <laughs> you know, 
late seventies, you know, there's a little thing that I, that I, you know, that I peeked my head through it late at night called Benny Hill. I figured out how uptight this country is about sex on television. It's ridiculous. Violence? No problem. No problem. Yep. They make cartoons about it. Violent cartoons, but no sex. Don't you don't you paint a nipple on screen in your cartoon into one of those cells, or you're going to hell. Your 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 career is going to be shot. I I, I mean, you know what's wild? I'm 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 actually more upset about that, that the series of those messages with my friend regarding this whole Supreme Court shit when. You know, you just said the you just said the two words, and we say the two words. Long game. See, long game. Okay, fifty-two uh, percent white women that didn't that vote for Trump. This is this is what you get. <laughs> this this is it. This is it. You, you know, so when I you know get that talk from or, I mean, as and I, I, I've made it clear on this air, and and to select people. But again, don't listen. They don't listen. You know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, 2016 was you was a fucking betrayal of this country. You know, you know by by those white women and. And you know, and some of those same ones are behaving in this way, you know, with this virus, where you know, it's that type. And there are all kinds of types, but it'll be that type that will have six people, eight people, ten people, whatever, over for a get together, and then somebody gets infected, and and shit happens, and then oh, it's the buyers of Morrison. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, when are you going to learn? <laughs> and some don't. Some never will. Well, it, what does that say that, you know, let's just take the female vote, the, the, you know, white female vote even, the puritanical church-going old-school female, right, and their, whatever the numbers were, if it was anywhere close to 50%, and there was some sort of, we'll say, chicanery behind the scenes on 45's part if he was even close enough for votes to win the election then half of the class got what they wanted and now they're crying over spilt milk as it were and the other half of the class is left to do all the work on the fucking project like for real if 50 let's say 50% of white women voted to put Trump in office, what does that say about 50% of the women in America that bought the bullshit of a narcissistic, sexist, overtly prejudiced, successful white male because they thought his wallet was fatter than his dick? What does that tell you about what they want? from their male in their life, if that's the role model they choose for the leader of our country that's supposed to then help their men pull their bootstraps up as well. That's the example they want in the office. 
what does that say? That's a powerful fucking question. And I ain't trying to lay blame, but I am trying to say that, like, ladies, you're in the same boat that us men are in, in that um, if you're going to be out there and be single, then you got to figure your shit out. And if you're going to partner up, find the right partner. And stop with the codependency shit. Start loving yourself and respecting yourself so that you can set those boundaries as necessary so you don't keep falling for the bullshit of these narcissistic pigs. Ooh, how's that for a rant? Mm. Ladies, we love you, but, like, stop choosing the bad guy. Oh, see, I was, <laughs> you, just, you just hit it. You just hit me there. You hit me in the heart because I... You said it for me because it's stuff that I've been saying. I almost feel like for decades, and and, and these guys finish last, and we're getting fucked. It's getting old, man. Well, you know, I, are, I, are I, I'm, I'm not. I'm, no, but I'm not worried. No, I'm not worried about. No, nice guys don't have to finish last, but nice guys can finish. You know, you know, with their own cheddar, with their own cheddar. So. Um, I mean, I'm cool with that. I mean, like, I, I knew that deal when I moved out here. I mean, like, okay, when you move out to L.A., I mean, and I, you know, look, I know the person I am. I mean, you know, I like looking at women. I like getting to know women. But, you know, I'm here for the work. I'm here for business. I mean, that, that's a straight up. And and nothing's getting in that way and, and in that obstacle. And that's been 15 years strong now. I mean, and I prefer it that way. I just do. I do. I know what I see, and, 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 and having the background of working at bars in Chicago and in Los Angeles and watching all sides, how they behave, which is what actor does, watch behavior. I mean, we watch everything, everything, everything. So there are a lot of fucking asshole guys out there, without a doubt. Lots, 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 and and they're in front of you. Some, sometimes you know what? I'll put you this way. You can always give a firmer, louder no. And if you do that, then that'll then others then others will hear, and then they'll get it. I'll say that because I'm not in on you. I mean, I even if I didn't have a daughter, I mean, like, I mean. I'm fucking, I'm a real fucking human. I fucking feel, I fucking hurt. You know, I, you know, I've been sexually assaulted twice. By the opposite sex. <laughs> you know, and on top of that, I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I've been two different times. You know, I, you know, I've been given a date rape drug, you know, unknowingly, you know, in, in a public establishment. So, you know, the violations, all of that, I, you know, I fucking get it and see, some of you women do not want to hear that from a male. You don't want to hear that because, I, you know, it, it's, you know, for, for, some, for some males, they want to say that they empathize with you, but there are others that can empathize with you with layers. Some of you don't want to hear those men, and I'm one of those. Like it or not. Hi. <laughs> You're listening to your husband <laughs> Downtown Tony Brown. Uh, and you smooth. And yeah, we're we're spitting it. We're spitting it how we see it. That's for sure. We bring you the absolute truth as we see it. We speak our truths. That's the way we see it. Uh, 
I don't know what it's like to be female. I never have. I never will. So conversely, how can they accuse me of not understanding what it's like to be female? You, you see what I'm saying? And for many males' perspectives, many females appear to want to be men. Mm-hmm. Sure. Just call us if we see it. I'd love, Shit. I'd love to be a hot. I'd love to be a hot chick for a week. Just well, the well, they're, well they're letting you know. No, you don't. I respectfully disagree, but I also said for a limited time only. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? I I'd see. like to do it for a week, but then, no, I'm good. I'd rather be the male. I think we have it easier. Even even if we're not talking societally or without all the patriarchy and all of that shit, if we're just talking about, like, we can pee while we stand. <laughs> We can pee while we stand. It's a good deal. We don't bleed for a week, you know, and we don't have, like, any idea what it's like for our hormones to throw our entire mood and emotion out of whack. So, top three reasons right there. And I haven't even gotten to, like, I'd love to hold my own titties. Or I'd love to I'd love to click my mouse as a chick for a week. Mm. I'd love to know what it's like to like get the deep D for a week and get it proper. You, you know, kind of a thing. Just because you're curious, like, what is it like to be a chick? Because you ask yourself that growing up. I did. You know. They're honest questions. Honest know. questions. Honest questions. Indeed. Indeed. But I'll never know. And so. Maybe stop hating on me for not ever being able to do that. I'll never, I'll never truly know because I'm not female. So, <laughs> you know, I'm sure a lot of people don't know what it's like to get uh, gang raped in uh, county jail. I do. I can sympathize. See. Yeah. Well, but but but, but unfortunately. When you or I, or on occasion, on, on, on double jeopardy occasions, the both of us walk into a room, and if that room, in the room, you know, it's populated by females in this day and age, you know, we're, we're looked at with disgust immediately. <laughs> I mean, it's either, it's, I mean, either just, no, I mean, it's, it, for, I mean, I, I, that's the way I feel. I mean, I'm just dead on honest. I mean, I go in, I'm confident. But I'm not an idiot. I'm not an idiot. I mean, I have my moments. I treasure them. But I, when I go into a room, I go in with my energy. But I also know, oh my goodness. I mean, there's just going to be just this hate in a room. Either because I'm male. Either because I'm black. Oh, God. Really? I mean, like, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm going. Because you're confident. Oh, oh, that too. Oh, definitely. Definitely that too, because there are definitely people that will go, that, that will look to knock over a person's confidence and their, and their, and their good, good buzz, good juju. Oh, that's a fact. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, that happens a lot. That has happened a lot. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, ever since I was, I've been able to go out and get a drink on my own at 21. I mean, you know, I've had to go through that. I mean, there are times I don't even realize that. And at times, I mean, but oh, there have definitely been th- those moments where just, just some douchebag just had to assert himself for themselves, or you know, what the fuck? I mean, sh- it's uh, it could be as simple as 
and I think I've experienced it as well. Big personality, a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. You walk into the room, mm-hmm. the attention's on you, and it's not on them, and that pisses them off. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. It could just be because they don't have the attention anymore. Woo! Oh, yes. Absolutely. Indeed. Man. <laughs> I mean, it... In, in, I have no problem making light of it, making fun of it, and you do too. But like today, I, I don't know. I just and I'll, I'll get that back. But you know, I think of all of it. I think of it all of it mixed in. And for me, it's just the fact that I've said this. I've put this out there for for such a long time, and when it feels like, when it just feels like, whoa, whoa, uh, when it feels like from that other person that, that they've got to come at me, like I said, vinegar versus honey, <laughs> please, and woo, I'll put you this way, black man walking down the street, any woman, and I did say any woman walking down the street at night. I mean, and I mean separate sides of the street. I mean on separate blocks. I mean just in each one. I mean, I mean, a woman's going to have it pretty, that's going to be kind of scary going from A to B. But, you know, that black man too. I mean, shit. I mean, for whatever reason, that black man's got a shitload to worry about. And black or brown. Ugh. You know, here's an interesting difference between men and women. Um, I consider myself pretty fucking male for a dude. I'm, I'm going to state my percentiles. I'm not, like, toxic masculine, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty masculine. I'm, I'm a dude's dude, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, I'll feel my feelings. I've gotten to a point where I'll now express my feelings and be vulnerable and open and honest in uh, social situations and say on a podcast. Um, I will take uh, candlelit bubble baths because that shit is self-care. Sometimes I prefer avocado and yogurt to my toast and hash browns. Like, there are certain things about me that may reek of estrogen or feminine, and I'm okay with that. I'm totally comfortable with that shit, right? Yes. So it makes me an interesting mix, but even with that mix, I'd say I'm probably 80-20, right? And a man at about 80% masculine, 20% feminine, and these are just self-assigned numbers. Yeah, yeah, no, percentile I like, I like, yeah, sure, sure. To get, to, right, to get the point across, um, <clears throat> the story is that one day I go to the gym, uh, 7.30-ish in the morning, Santa Clarita, California, and I was at about peak for me, physically. This was about two, two and a half years ago. Like, I would take my shirt off intentionally because for the first time in life, I was looking pretty fucking good. I was proud of what I had finally carved. I'd always wanted to look pretty fucking good with my shirt off. Mm-hmm. And man, we'll use we'll use it as a promo pick yeah. for real for this episode. If you were like it, like I was proud to like. What are you shit. waiting for? What are you waiting right. for? You got right. the shirt off. Come on! 
Let's you know, go. I'll, I'll go man candy, right? I was I'm proud of the work it took to get myself to that physical state. The diet, the exercise, and I was putting it in. I was given the discipline, right? So I was very, not only looking good, but feeling good about what it took to look this good, right? Yeah. And that confidence and that body left the, the men's locker room and went to the went out the door into the pool area to hit the hot tub after a workout. Hot tub. I'm, oh yeah, it was all about go get the workout, um, smash some weights, get some cardio, do some crunch, and then hit the hot tub, stretch it out, loosen up, hit the shower. Do some crunch. That's right. Come on, do crunch, crunch, crunch. You got to crunch, huh? Crunch, crunch. And you become Captain Crunch. Come on. That's it, man. So Captain Crunch walks out of the locker room in just his swim trunks with the towel over his shoulder into the pool area. Yes. I didn't know that it was scheduled. It was literally scheduled old right lady aerobics water workout time. Okay? So I am totally, yeah, so I'm totally like sweaty from my workout, shirt off, swim trunks, looking good with the towel over my shoulder. And you have to rinse off before you hit the hot tub at the gym. Right? I bet like, you do. Yeah. Yes, rinse, rinse, And rinse. so there, there I am. I hang the towel up extra slow, and I kick the hip out just a little. Because I look out in the room, and I'm like, this is a whole pool. So we're talking like 50, 60 old white women trying to get their aerobics on, their water aerobics. So totally 40 to 70. It was cougar stew, my friend. It was fucking cougar stew. I start, girls, oh, look at him, sister, what I wouldn't do to be 20 years old, all of it, I'm hearing all of it, dude, and the biggest smile ever, dude, since, like, kiss on my birthday in concert, like, that kind of a smile, like, oh, the birth of my child kind of a fucking smile comes across my face. Because I have been sexually objectified by a group of women. <laughs> that is the difference between men and women. When it happens to us, if we ever dare get an opportunity to have it happen to us, we actually kind of like it. That's the difference between men and women. Because it happens to women all day, every fucking day. To the point where they're fucking sick of it. It happened to me, maybe... Honestly, I'm a good-looking guy, but not to that degree, more than, like, twice, maybe three times in my life. And every time it happens, I'm like, yeah, that means I'm looking good and feeling good. So it's a boost for me, but it's like any good hit of any good dopamine if it happens every fucking day. Every time you wear that skirt, you're gonna hear like five, seven guys, ooh, look at that ass. Ooh, I'd love to tap that. Oh, the... Yeah, fuck that. That's gonna get old 
real fucking quick. You know? And that's the imbalance, in my opinion. No, no, that is. Well, it's... No, no, no. Here, here's the imbalance. Here's the big imbalance. It beco- it goes from complementary to vulgar. Exactly. And then, and then, then, then where that fucking vulgarity as dares escalate. You know what the fuck? Yeah. It's just not cool. I can't believe I just used the word cool. Oh well, I use the word uncouth. I mean, so there's a cooth. You're, well, of course. There's a couch and an uncouth, and that behavior, that behavior is decidedly uncouth. It's, uh, it's just no place, not only is there, like, really no proper place for it in today's culture, it it really never should have been there to that Of course like not! Well, been. of course, well... <laughs> really? I mean, really? I mean... <laughs> really? I mean, you know, we're, you know, we're talking. I mean, we're talking about 1600s, 1700s, 18. I mean, you know, we're talking about. Come on, I mean, you know, we're talking about a different brain on a different set of people, especially, especially men. I mean, just, I mean, you know, it, it, I mean, it, it, come on. You know, you got cats, you know, in this day and age with the whole shoot first, ask question bullshit, you know, later bullshit. I mean, you know, then, I mean, you know, they're just going to take it. You know, we see it. I mean, you know, they'll take your horses, take your women, take your life, take your house. I think conversely, uh, if you look again at the big picture, we've come a long way from... uh, uh, Women used to be considered property. You don't. You you don't say. Societally, that's how bad the patriarchy was and/or has been. And I'm not saying we can't get better, but damn, a little pat on the back every once in a while is going to help us get even better than we already are today. (sighs) You catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar, I'll say that again. Absolutely, absolutely. If if you nag me, I'm going to want to take an extra 15 minutes to 15 days to do what you're, quote, asking me to do, as opposed to, baby, you look really hot in that shirt today. Take the trash out. I'm right on it. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, uh, even if it's bullshit, this is going to sound sexist as fuck too, but sometimes just to get you ladies out of the house, we have to lie and say, no, that doesn't make you look fat. Because we know better than to give you that. Yes, maybe you should try something else on. What are you saying? And to go deeper than even that, maybe even just to save my own ass a little bit, the female audience, but uh, really, you're asking us those questions because you don't have the answer to that question yourself. You haven't decided or defined that yet for yourself. If the answer is, if the question is, 
And I ask myself the same fucking question. Speaking of which, does this make me look fat? Just quarantine, okay? I've put on some fucking weight. I have eaten some fucking feelings. I have gone from man candy in the gym, Captain Crunch himself, showering in front of the cougar song, cougar swamp, to...
And uh, you can also uh, drop us some uh, dirty videos on TikTok and IGTV. IGTV, your Hollywood hustler. That's your Hollywood hustler. And TikTok, it's your Hollywood hustler without the E at the end. Can you remember that? I knew you could. So on TikTok, it's your Hollywood hustler. No E. Lose that E. Put that E somewhere else. Uh, oh, here's that E. There it is. Uh, vote! There it is. That's where it belongs. So remember those and uh, drop us a line and say something. Say hi and uh, tell a friend. So I think I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go on record before we go any farther. And I'm going to call it. Dodgers win it tonight, seven to four. Well, that's what I think. Uh, well, I, I said in six. So, well, let's see. I've said in six, and apparently David Ortiz has said in six. So, no, I feel I feel good. I really do. And and the way I see it, uh, from a personal perspective, uh, I saw the Bears lose to the Rams last night, or as I like to say, uh. The Bears just basically gave the Rams their, their their holiday present. They just gave it to them. Like, yeah, just take it. Take it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, that game was almost like the old games, you know, you know before, you know, before the, the, the C, before COVID. Literally, like, that would be a typical game where the team comes into Los Angeles for the weekend and somehow they forget the playbook for Monday night. Oh, okay. I mean, like, so that was pretty close. I mean, I mean, like, you know. For football fans out there, I know you're with me. There's nothing worse than having the ball close to halftime. Even if it's 30 seconds, 20 seconds, I think it was like 22 seconds. The Bears have had the ball. I think, you know, I think even with a, you know, with a, with a fair punt, like at their 30, and at least one timeout. Uh, and like I said, and I'm just, you know, it depends on the return and all that. But didn't even try. Did not even try. Did I say did not even try for? I mean, and just they just they let the clock run. They didn't try to call any timeouts. They didn't try to get the ball back. No effort. No imagination. I mean, you know, and I I said this on on a, on a tweet. You can have a, a different GM, different head coach, offensive coordinator, system, quarterback, but somehow, some way, the cold bony hand of George Hallis. 1950s playbook gets involved in 21st mm. century football, and somehow the Bears get dumb. I mean, it just it happens. Like even with Lovey Smith, like nothing worse than a coach playing not to lose versus to win. Because what's going to happen? You're going to get fucked. It's going to happen. And it happened too many times. And I think Nagy's a good coach. I mean, like the, the, the win loss record is good, but. In today's NFL, come on, you gotta, you gotta have, you know, you gotta have some killer instinct, and and, and the Bears' mo for all these decades is their defense, and that hasn't changed. Like the only, it's like the only time the Bears are gonna have a chance is if their defense picks it up, and you can't do that in today's game. I mean, and, and I've been saying that for years. That should, that should have stopped, stopped like that should have stopped 25 years ago. To be honest, <laughs> shit.
So every second on that clock counts. Oh, everyone? I mean, they lost and by two touchdowns. I mean, you get a score at halftime. It's a different game. What the fuck? Not not trying in those last thirty seconds at halftime is literally, in my opinion, the same thing as jogging up the first baseline. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's those little decisions, those little take the foot off the gas moments that cost you games mm-hmm. on a big picture it does. overall. It does. It That's does. not the type of team that deserves to be in the playoffs. No. I mean, you don't get to, teams don't win, you know, playoff games and championships by backing in. And see, there's just too many times where there have been Bears teams that have had this back in thing getting in playoffs and, and that shit gets dealt with. <laughs> you know, pretend or content. You know, and, and we see where we see where it's been. 1985. And before that, 1963, okay. There it is. I mean you know, Green Bay Packers, you know, class. I mean all you know, class, cream of the crop. I mean, no complaints, but you know, by all means, you know, Bears lost, uh I'm not going uh, for five months uh, out of the country on a movie shoot. Uh, I didn't get that. Um, there was some other kind of downer. I don't know what it is, but I think I've had enough downers to where the Dodgers will win tonight. So I think you're covered. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, that's good synchronicity and uh, dichotomy and balance for me because my day has been going so hot that it's going to continue into the night after the Dodgers win. I, I can just feel that before it happens. That's why I'm calling it the way I see it. It'll get done. I was thinking about that today. Uh, yeah, especially you know with the circumstances. But last week, you know, I, I you know I go to uh, I went to Rocco's uh, in Studio City. Uh, mm. You know to you know watch the game, and they had it set up very well. I mean, with the spacing and all that. And there weren't a lot, you know. There weren't a lot of people. I mean, the inside is not available for customers. I mean, I mean, not even the the tables, none of that. Um, but so we, you know, we sat outside. Our table was good. Uh, we had the photo op. I looked clean and all that. But you know, they win tonight or even tomorrow. But I, you know, just to think, two thousand five, I saw my white, I saw my White Sox win. In Chicago, with my girlfriend and a few friends at a friend's house, right near, uh, right, right near uh, where the White Sox play. Uh, Twenty sixteen, I basically no, no, basically, I mean, I, I chose to watch the game by myself at this uh, improv theater uh, in Wrigleyville. So I mean, I'm right near the ball, I'm right next to the ballpark. But I chose to watch the game seven. By myself and and with my great grandfather, you know, like I would have, I would have loved to have watched that game. I definitely had friends. I definitely had friends in in Cleveland for the game, so that would have been unbelievable. And you know, there are friends around, you know, around Wrigleyville and such, but. For whatever reason, I just felt like I needed... I didn't mind watching the game in public, which I wanted to do, but I just... I wanted some kind of seclusion. I mean, I... And I felt very satisfied by it. And I took, you know, I, I took a bunch of film from that night. So, 
I was satisfied with that decision, but then, and, and then I caught up with, you know, friends and got together afterwards and, you know, tore it and tore it up. Now tonight, Dodgers win. It's just going to be me. As a baseball fan, I mean, you know, the lifer that I am and, 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 and just hearty about these types of celebrations, you could have never have told me <laughs> like 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10, it'd be like just, especially for, you know, living out here and, and totally rooting for the Dodgers. I mean, I would have rooted, rooted for the Dodgers anyway, even if I didn't work for the team. I would have did that, but... You couldn't have convinced me that I would be by myself watching the Dodgers knock on wood you know, win the World Series solo. Not, I mean, just. What, it's the weirdest thing, yeah. What can I tell you? If I, uh, I know uh, I'm pretty well consigned to. Uh, watching them win from the hated state of New York. Yeah. Can I tell you for a minute about the shade I have been getting thrown from these New Yorkers for the last two and a half, three weeks because of this year ball Ooh. Oh, my God. <laughs> Give it up. Any hush. These Yankee fans are not happy out here. With this white boy what? wearing his Dodger hat, you know what? You know, we, no, this is good. This is we we didn't get into this. And, you know, it's one thing you know for good ball busting, but I definitely want to you know, get a little pin in about sportsmanship or, or fansmanship or uh, please gamesmanship. Can we talk about Kenley Jensen fucking death threats and racial epitaphs on his Twitter and his Instagram, please? For a minute, stay classy, Los Angeles. I'm fucking ashamed of you. There, I said it. Well, I had to well, it see, loud. well, and I've got one. I mean, with all due respect, you know, for my for my fellow Cubs fans, and this has been going on out of out of my eyes and my ears. I've noticed this for at least <laughs> at least 15 years now, and it doesn't show your class, or maybe it does. There are a whole bunch of Cub fans that don't want the Dodgers to win. Sure. I mean, and, and well, but the, you know, the laugh the, for me, the laugh is in 2005 when the White Sox won. You know, I'm one of those few fans that you know that's by that goes both ways. I mean, fr- from his hometown, I root for both Chicago teams because it's at Chicago, now, and they're eight, they play eight miles from each other in the city. Now, out here, of course, that's a little got a different issue between Anaheim and L.A. I get that. Fully. Fully. So, nonetheless, there are Sox fans that are friends of mine that know that I root for the Cubs, and vice versa. Cubs fans that know that I'm from the South Side, and I, and I still root, and I can root for the White Sox. I can give you a count of how many of those Cub fan friends I know gave congratulations. When the White Sox won the World Series, I can give you a give you a count. 
Uh-huh. I give you uh-huh. a, I give you a nice round number count. Okay? I'm sure it's a nice round number. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because uh-huh. and you know after a while you get okay, you, you you got sour because the White Sox beat you know to beat the Cub beat the Cubs as far as getting the World Series first. I mean because that you know that's the that's the thing you know of course. But, and both teams had, had the long droughts. But then, in the words of John Witherspoon in Boomerang, but you don't stop there. You don't stop the pettiness there. You don't stop there. You got to coordinate your pettiness, okay? Because, you know, you don't want the White Sox to win the World Series. You don't want to just say... Coordinate. You coordinate. That's right. You got to coordinate. You got to coordinate. Got to coordinate. You don't want the White Sox to win the World Series. You don't want the St. Louis Cardinals to win the World Series. Uh, apparently, you know, from what I gather with the fine fan mail, Hater Aid, would you like some? You, do, uh, you don't want the Dodgers to win the World Series. You have Cup fans to this day, damn, that still are butthurt about 1969. You never want the Mets to win the World Series. You don't want the uh-huh. you don't want the Padres to win the World Series because what happened in '84? I mean, like. It's tired. It is so tired. I mean, like, it makes you, yeah. it, it, it really, it makes so many of them so sour. It, 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 it's, I mean, sour apples. I mean, I don't want to say the usual word apples because that gets tossed around in badger lately, but just, you know, sour grapes, man, for real, though. Like, sore losers. And just, it, it's tiring to read and hear about. I mean, like, you know, they're my, you know, they're my hometown childhood team. There's always that. There's been that perception for a long time with Cub fans that Cubs don't. The Cubs shit do not stink. And let me. Mm-hmm. I have to. I have to beg to differ, my lovely friends. Sometimes it does. I personally uh, back your play. Number one. Number two. It is about sportsmanship. And number three. Personally, uh, no matter what the series is, and no matter the championship of the major four. Mm-hmm. We're talking NFL, MLB, mm-hmm. NBA, NHL. My personal favorite, we all know, NHL. I love that National League Hockey or that National Hockey League. So I'll take that as an example. Mm-hmm. This past year, it was the Dallas Stars and the Tampa Bay Lightning for the Stanley Cup, the most storied trophy in all of North American sports history. Yada, yada. I can give you the numbers, the stats, the figures, the backstories, 1999, 2004, when both teams had won the Cup last. And for varying reasons, first off, you have to pick your horse. So pick your horse. You know, okay, I was rooting for Dallas. Mostly because um, their connection with a band named Pantera, and and because I used to work out of Dallas, Texas, at Stevens Transport, so I got a little bit of love for Dallas myself, (laughs) right? So I picked my horse, and then I said to myself, the possibility is that they will lose, personally. At, at the end of the day, it's not the Los Angeles Kings in the cup anyway, so 
my number one horse isn't going to win it this year. I've already accepted that. I'm not going to let the loss of my team's championship dreams run my fucking life. Okay? That's ultimately the point I'm going to circle back around to, is your team is going to lose more often than not. Understand that about major league sports. More times than not, they're going to put all this work in, all this money in, all this time in, all this advertising, all this broadcasting to come up short and, quote, fail. Okay? It's going to happen more often than not. You step up to the plate and strike out. The greats are batting in the 300s. Okay? That's the human element. That's what's so beautiful and brilliant and brutal and ugly and amazing about sports. Embrace that. Embrace that, because that's the part of sportsmanship that people aren't getting. It's the understanding of the human element. Fuck you, ref! You don't even want to know how many times I've heard that shit. Sure. So Tampa Bay, wins, <laughs> Tampa Bay wins the cup this year. But just a couple of times. It's only been 7,000 games I've refed. I've heard it a few times in my day. And you take it on the chin. Now, the Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup this year. And a tear rolls down my cheek. Or two. Because I don't care who it is that lifts the cup at the end of the season. I always cry if I get a chance to watch it and see it. I, even if it's the Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> Dare I say the Montreal Canadiens.
And for the record, I don't think that fucking double bobble error to lose the game had anything to do with Kenley Jansen whatsoever. No. Period, end of the sentence. So why are you throwing the hate his way? Oh, we know why. We know fucking why. This episode is brought to you by Dolt 45. That's why. Well, you know, it's easy, well, you know, easy to... Easy to it's do. Entitlement. E- it, well, well, entitlement and easy to do, you know, behind a, a screen and, and a keyboard. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Really, though. <sighs> you get out there and put that fucking ball anywhere near the strike zone your damn self that many times. If, if if he's so terrible at it, you go do it your damn self and show me something. But see, the, you know, these are things that kind of tire me out. I mean, like... It is. It's so tired. Like, it's, I'm so tired. Not so tired. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I poured myself a glass of wine when I should have poured the Evan Williams, which I will pour the Evan. Well, I'll definitely pour the Evan Williams during the baseball game because <laughs> World Series Game Six, clinch, clinch night, clinch night, clinch night. Uh, Either clinch the pennant or clinch your fucking fist. Ooh. It's clinching. Either way. Oh, oh, God. You know what? We're gonna win. We're gonna win. Oh, stomach. Stomach's gonna go through. And see, and I feel good oh, about. Yeah. I, I feel good about them scoring early. I mean, like first inning style too. I mean, they have been. They, right? they won't like, see that's the thing. I mean, like you know, they like to do that. <laughs> you know, definitely first inning style and definitely the two out run. Definitely, I mean, like two out runs. They've been killing. So, I mean, I mean, I feel good. <laughs> I mean, Clayton pitched. The best part about that game for Clayton that he pitched the other the other night, he really does. He really he will not have to do that. I feel confident he won't have to do that to get them over the hump. Yeah, I mean that was his game. You know now, you know now you know they can do the rest. Sit back, enjoy this. You know here it comes. You know, I, I think, yeah, he, he did his job so effectively and so beautifully, especially game five there, that it's like the rest of the team feels obligated to clean this up and sew it up for him. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Like, okay, we owe this to our boy Clayton. He got us game five. He's been getting us to this fucking spot. For how many seasons now, it's time we step up and finish for him. Uh, and if somebody's smart enough tonight, they'll go in there and they'll say, you, won't, you, don't, you don't even just fucking owe Clayton for this. You owe Vince Scully. You know you do. Ooh, I mean, you know, correct him. Yeah. I mean, correct him under. I mean, like, you know, you've got, well, and this is good and bad. I mean, but, you owe him. But, but you, you've, got, you've got a bunch of those players that, that are that, that are fighting can't wait to get up to bat tonight. You know, yeah. so, you know just like, yeah. you, you know, you, want, you just want them to follow that chill just that bit because, they, oh, they, I mean, woo! <laughs> I mean, just of the first nine, I mean, I mean, just each, each for the first at bat, I, I want to keep a track of who swings on the first pitch. I really do. Just the, 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 those, that first nine. First nine. No, no I, I feel... I, I feel good about this, and then... 
and nervous as fuck about it. Oh, definitely nervous. That's why you play the game. You know, you gotta, you gotta clinch it. No, well, definitely nervous, but, uh, and, and you know, there's nothing wrong with doing this or thinking about this, but, I mean, but because of this type of year. You go inside the cage. Case goes in the water. You go in the water. Sharks in the water. Our shark. How, you can't. You really can't have a parade. You can't. You can't. I I like how Tampa did it. Did you see how Tampa did it when they won the cup? You know, I, I, you know, I, I was curious if you saw that. No, no. How do they do it? They had a boat float. Oh, they, oh, they, oh, they did the, oh, well, like, well, Boston did that. I know they did that in 04. I don't know if they did that the other years uh, for the Red Sox. Uh, so what? Are we, we going to do ours in the L.A. River? <laughs> We're going to have to fill it. We're going to have to fill it first. Yeah. That, would be, that would be fucking hilarious. <laughs> See a bunch of motherfuckers on jet skis out there at the... Santa Monica Pier for a fucking blow by. That's one way to do it. I don't know. No, 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 no crowd and beaches. No. I don't. You know, I don't even think that the parade matters so much. Oh no, of course not. I mean, I mean, you know, that's especially not this year. No, I mean, you know, that's you know, that's the frill. Well, well, here's the th- here's the thing. I I just, I just saw about it. No, of course there's not going to be a parade because, you know, they've already canceled the Rose Bowl parade. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. So definitely no World Series parade. I mean, you know, you know, you know that's the beauty of uh, being here in L.A. and Hollywood, though. I mean, the creativity. I mean, uh-huh. I, mean I, 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 I could, I mean, I could totally envision something of where they would have the players... And, and the organization, you know, I mean, I mean the full-time organization, like a ceremony at the stadium behind, sure. you know, behind center field and just have that available on YouTube, on, on Spectrum LA, you know, just anywhere in LA fan, MLB, of course, uh, anywhere, you know, a baseball fan could watch it. That's, that's, you know, that's at least, you know, that's what I seem to think it would play out. I mean, and, you know, it's safe for everybody. I mean, just just have that type of celebration at the stadium, and then just you know, and then just make it virtual. I uh, can tell you this much: <laughs> when we win this World Series, <clears throat> I will be I will be purchasing myself that championship hat. Oh, well, you should. You should do I that. I absolutely will. You should do that. I... And, oh, and, and I want to mention another thing as regarding sportsmanship. And, 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 you see, and I, and I, and this, this one's bullshit. And, and I was, and, and I expect nothing less, and this wasn't from a Cub fan that I know. This was somebody, this was, this was a, a gal on Twitter. <clears throat> Excuse me. She made a snarky comment regarding the Dodgers winning the World Series in the 60-game season. And uh-huh. and see, there are definitely going to be fans of all types, of all teams, that are going to pull that shit. 
And it's like, of course. I mean, and it's and again, it's so low grade. It's bush. I mean, it really is. It's like, are you serious? Like, you know, you would not want this situation right now. Excuse you. I mean, like. I just, I, see, that's bullshit. It's like, I, I don't like, I don't mind fans standing up for their team, but I just, I hate fans that just get stupid, you know, with what they say. I mean, whether it's, you know, the, the shithead with Kenley, you know, or, or this gal with, you know, with the 60-game season bullshit. It's like, you know, once those players play, and, you know, the managers manage and such, you know, the team is all in. So you you know you cannot say that shit. I hate that. I hate that shit. It, it, whoever turns down a championship this year, mm-hmm. specifically this year, mm-hmm. in my opinion, goes down in history as one of the most resilient Ugh. organizations through uncertain times of unbelievable strife mm-hmm. and personal taxation. Mm-hmm. You think about, I'm thinking just the NHL return to play model, which saw these teams go directly into the playoffs and then into a fucking bubble for three months or more of their lives. They weren't going home for a meal with their wife. Mm-hmm. They weren't playing with their kids on the weekend they weren't watching their wrestling or nascar they weren't getting to go out to jack in the box and sneak it on their way home from their day job they weren't stuck at home doing their deck again they, they were under quarantine like the rest of us under the highest possible of scrutiny under fucking microscopes and managed to pull down a major league championship. I think respect is due and it has been earned, in my opinion, by LeBron. I will spit it from the rooftops. Oh, 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 yes. Oh, we forgot about them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Does he have uh, a tendency as a player every once in a while to want better conditions around him? Certainly. He's a high achiever. High achievers expect those around them to also strive for that level of achievement or they don't want you around them. It's sort of a personality trait of high achievers. What I'm striving to become myself. So I studied this shit. Mm-hmm. I started genuinely studying championship about five six years ago and this is one of the absolute characteristics it's not about can you win one oh you won one look at a guy like i can't believe i'm gonna sing his praises right now but look at a guy like tom brady who's in it almost more often than not absolutely absolutely what does that shit take Uh What, what kind of level of crazy do you have to be What kind of level of hungry do you have to be where you win it all and then you wake up the next day and say, fuck golf, I want to do it again. Fuck your vacation, I want to do it again. That, that's repeat business right there, son. That's the hustle. That's an unquenchable thirst. Oh, God, yes, 
douse me in your fucking haterade because I cannot quench this thirst. Please, I need my electrolytes. That's the shit Kobe had. That's the shit Brady's got. That's the shit Gretzky had. That's the shit LeBron's got. That's the shit Kershaw's got. Man, okay. how many seasons in a row now have the Dodgers been the National League West fucking champions? How many? Go. I know you know the stat. The West champions? Eight. Eight straight. Yeah, eight, eight straight. That's right. Eight straight years of National League championship. Eight in a row. You're not talking to me about a dynasty? Kiss my black ass. I'm already proud of my team. That's what I'm saying. In regards to sportsmanship, stop looking at the fucking rings. Stop looking at the fucking trophies and the banners. And start looking at all the hard work that they put in. Start looking at all the times your team failed and decided to get back up and come back again next season and try again. Why don't you model that fucking behavior? Ooh, don't get me started on this rant. (laughs) You know what I'm saying, though? Like, I know we're going to win tonight, and if by some Heisenberg percentile of .9 bullshit, double error crap happens again... Mirror of fuckery, we don't. I'm still proud of my team. That's the point. Not, oh, I'm going to tweet racial fucking threats to the pitcher because he can't, quote, close game four. Kiss my black ass, said the white man. Well, and and see, this is shit that, you know, that Dusty Baker went through managing the Cubs. Oh uh, three and 04. I mean, you know, and people, you know, want you know want, want to put that to the side. Like, no, <laughs> this is stupid ass shit that happens for no reason. And, you know, you know because you know you know because you go from well now with sports you go from being complimentary to disapproving to vulgar. <clears throat> I mean, what has changed? Honestly, I mean, there, I suppose, have been marked improvements, but there's so much room for potential and growth and acceptance and unity and love and understanding and, ultimately, sportsmanship. Mm-hmm. Because, like, what has changed from, ne- from Jackie Robinson breaking into the league to game four? And Kenley Jansen loses the game. They blame it on him and then blame it on him because he's black. Are you fucking with me? Are you fucking with me in 2020? That's the way you're going to go and then you're going to threaten him, his family, and his wife? Are 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 you fucking for real? Are your white sheets clean in the laundry? Is that why you've got such balls? What the racial shit KKK motherfuck is going on? It disgusts me. I have thrown guys out of the game for racial and homophobic slurs myself as a referee because I have I have an absolute zero tolerance. No, 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 you have to do that. You have to. You do. You really do. 
pardon me and excuse me, both the LGBTQ community and more, and the black community, when I say to you the following, because I'm going to use the words, <laughs> here they come, so be sure to bleep them out if necessary. No, 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 we don't bleep on this show, are you kidding me? If, Put on the... If you're on my rink, if I'm your referee and you're on my rink and you use either of the two words, nigger or faggot, you are no longer on my rink, period, and with the fucking sense, you are immediately escorted off the rink, and then I'll bring your shit to you, and then and only then will I restart my game without you when you're in the parking lot, period. You have to have a zero tolerance on this shit. Best story I ever heard in regards to that, I was reading, uh, it's probably a Reddit thread. Guy goes into a bar, and it's kind of a dive punk bar, and he orders a drink, eventually, finally, from the bartender that's not paying him any mind whatsoever, but he finally gets his drink, and the bartender goes back to cleaning glasses that are already clean, or changing the channel on the TV that needs no changing, or fucking off, and then this guy walks in, sits down at the bar, and he's wearing one of those punk vests or whatever the case. And bartender whips his head around and says, you, not you, get out. Right here, right here. No, get out. Get out of my bar. Well, I just wanted to come in for a drink. I don't care what you wanted. You're going to get, I reserve the right to refuse. You get out right now or I will have security escort you out. Okay, man, fine, whatever. And he leaves. The other guy that walked in 15 minutes ago and finally got a drink says to the bartender, Dude, like I get it, you're in like a surly bartender kind of a mood, we haven't even talked, but what the fuck was that? Bartender says, look, I don't know if you saw it or not, but he's wearing some of that like Nazi regalia propaganda pin shit on his vest, and if you let him have his one drink... Then next week, he's going to bring his friend with him, and they're going to have just a couple of drinks, and they seem real fucking nice at first, right? And they're real cool with you. And then three months down the road, all of their friends are in here now, and they're just in here for one fucking drink. And then the trouble starts. Once they have you outnumbered, then the trouble starts. And then you can't get them out of your bar, and now your bar is infested like it's roaches or rats, and you have a serious fucking problem. You ever tried to X an entire Nazi gang out of your fucking bar? Don't let them dress, son. I asked them to leave. Is there a problem? The problem is your man here says we're not properly dressed, like our money ain't green. We just want a couple of beers. A few beers, that's it. That's it, we'll be on our way. You ain't looking for trouble. It's probably like a general meeting
are a bit overpaid. Um, but conversely, they got to put all of that money somewhere. Right? This is finance, and you have to channel and flow that money somewhere. And there has to be incentive enough. Like, break it down as a human being, if you're listening to this, break this down. What would it cost you? Or what would it cost somebody to acquire all of you, every bit of you, for, say, a nine-month period? You have this skill where you can crush a baseball out of the park 60-some-odd times in a regular season. You have this skill where you can put the puck in the net. 50 plus times a season, you have this skill where you can go 30-30 every other night or so on the basketball court. You have this skill where you can put four or five touchdowns into the end zone per fucking game. What would it cost an organization to get you to block out every other part of your fucking life for nine months of the year? And have your focus, your attention, your time, and your energy solely on one thing and one thing only, and that is the pursuit of not only meeting those numbers, but beating them every fucking year. You're not seeing your kids. You're not seeing their school plays. You're not helping your wife with the fucking dishes. You're not cooking any dinners. You're not going to parents' funerals on some occasions. You're certainly not meeting up with your buddies on the weekend for beer and NASCAR. You're doing none of that shit. You're focusing on none of these problems, quote, that you have in life. Your only focus, your super focus, is that time spent on the field. And not only on the field, but everything you can do outside of that time spent on the field, on the rink, or on the court, or on the diamond, in pursuit of bettering your performance on that surface. What would that cost for your wife to just be able to pick up the phone without thinking about it and order pizza for the kids because the nanny's not coming in tonight, she's sick, to clean the fucking house? Like, all of these concerns... All of that shit can be solved with what? Fucking money. I don't like it because I'm not a big proponent of money necessarily, but I'm smart enough and savvy enough about it and with it now to know that that takes some cheddar, man. That takes some cheddar for you to not have a care in the world other than it's fourth down. In the fourth quarter, I've got three seconds on the clock and I'm down four. Where's my focus? Am I, am, I, am I worried about the cell phone bill that may or may not be paid? Am I worried about Timmy's fucking grades right now? No. No, no you're not. Because you're paid $3.2 fucking million dollars a year not to be. That's what it takes. To win these fucking championships, that's what it takes. Are they overpaid? Yes. Is there a reason for it? Also... Yes. 
you just have to think about well, and well, well, and that, you know, in this day and age now, it's not just what you're doing on the field. I mean, it's 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 off the field. The time spent off the field is almost more important. Yes. Because yeah. that's what's building you to that yeah. moment on yeah. the field. Yeah. Yeah. Be it be it practices, be yeah. it workouts, be it dietary meetings, mm-hmm. be it mm-hmm. uh, doctor checkups, be it press releases, yeah. be it photo shoots. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. All of that. Shit. All of that. All of that. I mean, and you know, and if it's off season, I mean, you know, you'll have. Again, in this day and age, I mean, you know, you've got you've got the off-season fan convention, uh, fan conventions now, and, you know, and how that's going to be done now, you know, we'll see in the future. But, you know, but you would have those, uh, uh, you know, you know, any any kind of special appearances that you know might transpire in the off-season, depending on on what kind of player you are. I mean, you know, if if you're an all-star player, I mean, on high level, you know, in addition to those off-season fan conventions here, you know, then, you know, who knows, maybe you got to go to New York or L.A. for, you know, for something on the, on the TV or film tip. I mean, you, you never know. Yep. I, mean, I mean, all of that stuff. And also with, you know, video games. I mean, you know, you know they're, you know, they're, you know, there, there are going to be those weeks where you're going to get those players together, and you know, to you know, go through, the, you know, the, you know, all the mo- all the the capture motion. I mean, you're I busy, busy, busy. Yeah. Just the yeah. On yeah. Oh God, you're busy. I mean, you know, it's 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 not nine. You know, back then, that you know, eight nine months of the year, and then maybe you would have that off season job. I mean, you know, those ends are all covered, but now. It's your time. It is all of your time, and for 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 you know for some players, there is that reputation that they want to maintain. I mean, and I mean, I, I mean, whenever whenever I watch pre and post game uh, for the World Series with on Fox or Fox Sports One, I mean, just you can you can give all the hatred you want, but I I give credit where credits due. Me and Gene. Look, I mean, I enjoy watching A-Rod at a desk doing a studio show. I mean, maybe not in a booth, but in a studio show. Like, I I really enjoy it. I I mean, like, you know, know, he's, he's entertaining. He's going to explain the, you know, the inner... You know, the, you know, you know the inner shell of that ball player. I mean, like he gets it down to the T in that moment, in that situation. You know, with the lights in the prime time, big moment, big moment, big moment. I mean, and you know, Poppy and Frank Thomas, but you know, with with A Rod, you know, he gives you those nuggets, and you get the A Rod isms, boy. I mean, like you know, he, he the man. I mean, the man in the dictionary. You can look under Alpha. He'll be on that list. So, like, you know, he's going to use that term alpha on you. You know, he's going to drop all kinds of A-Rod terms. That, that we just, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, you're filled by dictionary, baby. Yeah. And so, you, you know, it's, well, it's 12 people months. Don't know this about, people don't know this about A-Rod. He's got plenty of side businesses, plenty of side hustles. And isn't that what this is all about? The hustle? <laughs> you know, he's got... He's got so much going on that people don't fucking know about mm-hmm. or even understand. Look, when you make $43,000 a year at your tool manufacturer job or your tool cleaning gig, these 
sort of things aren't even on your radar. This whole independent contractor for skills or services offered for value added to a team entity. These things don't even enter your mind. You're like, oh my God, is it fucking Friday? <laughs> That's what's on your mind. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You've settled. <laughs> there I said it. I mean, uh, uh shit. A-Rod was one of the, uh, one of the guests on Ding! Max Out with Ed Milet. Ah, oh, man. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Again, I will, I will keep plugging that show until I'm on his podcast or he's on mine. I love this man, Ed Milet. Um, he had Whitney Cummings on. He had Les right. Brown on. He's had A Rod on. Like he's, he's balling. He's the number one growing business podcast on the planet right now, and there's a reason for it. He's, he's bringing the heat in about an hour, every fucking time, and. The A-Rod episode in particular was fucking fascinating. I learned so much in under an hour from these two guys. Just about mindset and diversity of portfolio and life after baseball. What do you do after you're off the diamond? How do you keep that going? What do you branch out into? For so many years, your identity has been ball player for the Yankees. Mm -hmm. Now what? Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And I love that about a guy like A-Rod that can diversify his portfolio and try new things and succeed or fail, but ultimately always have a good head on his shoulders and a good message and a good analysis of the game, of his passion, of the things he loves to do. And yeah, nothing but respect for that guy. Said the guy in a Dodgers hat, I might add, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I just sang the praises of Tom Brady and A-Rod in one podcast in my Dodger hat wearing my Jackie Robinson jersey. But see, A-Rod would, a a- A-Rod, A-Rod would, be, giving, A-Rod would be giving it right back. Like, A-Rod would be giving it back to the Dodgers because, you know, he, 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 like, he knows. He knows the Dodgers are the alphas. Like, he knows that they should win this. I mean, and, and, yes. and he's definitely giving love to, to Tom Brady lately. It's not like, no, he covers his alphas, right? He covers this shit, man. Like, I just... He, well, he's, he understands greatness because he's one of the greats. Oh, yeah. And you start to catch glimpses of greatness and an understanding of it when you're chasing it yourself. And there is an inherent problem, in my opinion, right now in our country. Too many people are settling for mediocre, and mediocre is fucking scary when you're trying to chase greatness. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, well, Bill Vec who was, you know, legendary uh, legendary uh, baseball owner. He owned the White Sox a couple times. Uh, when he was asked, back in the, I don't know, maybe the 70s, maybe, maybe it was the early 70s, who knows. Uh, he was asked about salaries going up, and his comment was, uh, to paraphrase, it isn't, it isn't, uh, you know, it isn't the high price of, you know, you know, of, of, of the great talent I'm worried about. It's going to be the level of mediocrity, you know, that, that's going to present itself. I mean, to present, like I said, it was to paraphrase, it was to paraphrase. But he, he, was, he was definitely not about mediocre. Well, you know, I called in the work 
on Monday. Yeah. And I hope none of them listen to this podcast. Uh-oh. Because I'm about to spit it. <laughs> Gonna spit it's another one. Work. I called into work yesterday. Uh-huh. And here's why. Here's why. I got my 90, I got my 90 day review. Uh-oh. 90 days. Uh-oh. We were talking about 90 days. Oh, yeah. I'm out of my probationary period with my fucking day job, eh? Hey. And part of the 90-day review is um, a questionnaire. Mm. You know, how do you think the company's doing? Mm. Do you like your teammates? Do you <laughs> That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. The teammate. <laughs> I'll wait for that one. All that shit, right? Um, how, does, how do the higher-ups treat you? Um, is this a good place to work? All that shit. They want to know. They want to know. They want to know. They want to know. (laughs) They want to know because they also want to know who's going to be brutally honest with them so they know who to let go. Of course. Well, both ways. I mean, like, I mean, well, there's, you know, there's a level. I mean, like, you can be honest, but but it's that brutally honest that that can get you shut the door. Yeah. Yeah, I had to, uh, I had to dial back my brutal honest. So I can keep my fucking day job. That's just truth right there. You gotta do it. Yep. Um, now, brutal honest, I love my teammates. I love my ladies that work with me at the Salvation Army. Okay, okay, so it's, it's okay. Right it's now, o- okay, okay, all right. Right. No, I mean that sincerely. No, no, I'm listening. Am I, under, am I underpaid? Absolutely. Yes. They're paying me the absolute fucking minimum. Ugh. And, and I'm okay with it. Because I believe in the cause. Right, right. I love my teammates. And the job isn't super difficult. It's stressful. It's strenuous. But it's not overtly difficult. Okay. By any means, right? I've got a handle on it now. And I feel that I'm doing quite well for one man doing the work of two. Okay. Okay? Okay. They even... They even said that my positive mental attitude and my team camaraderie is wonderful and warm and welcoming, and they love that about me, and my quality of work is good. It meets their standards. (laughs) It's the quantity. They still want more from me. Oh, really? They They want more from you doing the work of two men. Okay. Yes. I'm only, and I said this to Brian earlier today, I'm only a man and a half. My apologies. I'm sorry I'm only one and a half men. Are you fucking kidding me? They want two men's worth of work out of me. From one man, for the absolute minimum that they can pay me. What does that tell me? How much do I feel valued or appreciated in a situation like that? So I called out on Monday. Because Monday's the heavy day. And Monday's the day they're going to really feel me not being there. Now, now now, let me ask you this, though. You call off Monday. Mm -hmm. Now now you're going tomorrow. It would seem to me that that shit's pretty much still gonna be in there, right? I mean, like, gonna be, it's gonna be waiting for you, you know what I'm saying? It's, okay, it's a daily flow of, I have to deal with donations, uh-huh. right? And a daily flow of, 
I have to price electronics, be it, you know, boot boxes or fucking kitchen mixers or stereos or uh, personal massagers. <laughs> I've got everything in my bin, dude. They bring, they bring me stuff from everywhere, and it's my job to price it, evaluate it, put it out on the fucking floor. Mm. Boom. Could I do this faster? Answer, honestly, yes. Yes, I fucking could. Of course. Of course. Where's my incentive? This brings me back to my original fucking point. At a minimum wage of $11.80, this is brutal honesty, people. Listen to me when I tell you this. I'm being transparent AF right now. My day job gives me 25 hours. If I bank them, I get that up to 29 at $11.80 an hour. To lift the heaviest boxes of books, the biggest contractor bags of fucking clothing possible, the old toys that you don't want anymore, used toilet seats, flip-flops with more diabetic foot scar remnant on it than you've ever fucking seen, and everything in between. This is my day job. And they're paying me the absolute minimum by law required to do this job and expecting me to do it twice over, twice over in half the time. Where's my incentive? So you get a ball player and you put him up to the plate and you say, hey, we're paying you the absolute league fucking minimum. But we expect you to deliver. In fact, in fact, we not only expect you to deliver, you're not delivering enough. Where's the incentive? You want to you want to know why ball players, hockey players, at all are paid the exorbitant, ridiculous amounts that they're paid? It's because then they have their full focus attention, time, energy, talent, strength, fortitude, resilience, discipline, et al. at their command so that they can win a championship. Because the guy that jogs up the line just fucked his whole team because the other team with a culture of never jog up the line is statistically more poised for that championship. Period. They posted the lineups. See if there's any changes. Ch -ch 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 changes. Uh, lineups. 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 Get your lineups. Starting lineups. Excuse me. Come on now, you have my lineups here. Where are my lineups? There we go. That was the most baseball thing ever. Burp, double up, burp, burp. Where are the lineups at? I know, that was good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you should be wearing the fucking uh, beer helmet right now, eh? Here we go. <laughs> you, you know, you have me like looking at my closet and I'm like, I don't have one of those. I mean, one of those things like since early 90s. Like, wait a minute, what am I looking for? Uh, lose the fucking umbrella hat. Come on, man. Oh, now see, <laughs> it, 
I, I, okay. I look very good in a beanie, so that would be a nice level to get that umbrella hat. Oh, the, the umbrella. I would love that. Love uh-huh. that. Okay, so <laughs> starting lineups tonight. Interesting for Tampa Bay. Uh, leading off tonight is G-Man Choi. Mm-hmm. G-Man Choi is leading off. Uh, Interesting. Ra- Ra- Randy Arizarena is going to hit second. Austin Meadows third. Brandon Lowe fourth. Manuel Margot fifth. Joey Wendell sixth. Willie Adames seventh. Kevin Kiermeyer eighth. Mike Zanino nine. And uh, Austin Meadows is DHing, hitting third. And for the doubt. Yeah. I'm just going to stay real quick. Maybe I'm too old school. We might maybe be. Maybe I'm too. Maybe I am too entirely too simple and by the book. You maybe. Don't you put your. If you're Tampa, don't you put your big guy? Don't you put AZ three or four in case your first two guys get on? Like, why are you ever managing this game? It sounds like the manager is um, hungry for production and runs by putting AZ in the number two spot. Because I think Easy's been hitting third. I, I, I think right, he's been hitting third or fourth. Right, but he's been, yeah. So, so like they're moving the you know moving the guys up to try to get us instant offense. I don't. It's down, it's down like, like urgency. Oh, it's bigger. Well, it's a mistake. It's a big urgency, but yeah, but but yeah, but I see. This is where, with you know, with with the, with their pitching system, you know, it, it works in the regular season, but when you do, when you I think it's just too risky to do it in postseason. It's just too risky. Even if, even if you succeed in it with your opener, pitching him for an inning, two innings, three innings. I I don't. I just I just think in the playoffs. I I think it bites you in the ass in the next game or two. It does because everything changes once it's playoff time. I'm telling you that. Oh, totally. Baseball, be it football be it uh, MLB, look, Major League Baseball, for example, especially since the era of Moneyball, everything has been quantified, calculated, and run out to the average of 162 games, right? This year has been different, so the numbers have changed, and the averages have been different. Oh, but man. all of that shit, all of that shit is just to get you to the postseason. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. you're in the playoffs. Now it's anything can happen. Now it's Bill Buckner up the right fucking field line, game six. Now it's game four, and the outfielder misses the field, and then the cutoff man misses the catcher's glove type shit. It's a brand new fucking season once it's playoffs. And, and, and the runner and the runner is slipping and the runner is slipping and falling like it still gets yes and still gets the run are you yeah. fucking kidding yeah. me yeah. that's the beauty of baseball because once you get to the postseason it's all human element oh it's it, it is oh well, that's the, the best end. well and see and see with this you can't quantify it no no and but see with this season you know that 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 other factor is and I mean for the playoffs you know for the first. Two three rounds, you know, until until you saw some real fans, you know, players like Javi Bias. I mean, just 
fans make a difference for his game. I mean, like, it shows oh, it shows in the season that he had. I mean, like, you know, he had the moments here and there. But, oh, come on. I mean, just that wasn't Javi B. Ooh, look out. I mean, like, fans are back next year. Javi might hit 50 home runs. <laughs> really, like, certain players, you know, they're, I mean, they're going to be buying fans dinner next year, all right? I mean, <laughs> um, a few. A few. I'm on stage. If I'm on stage, you're going to get the same show from me, whether there's four people in the crowd or 40,000 people in the crowd. It's the professional in me. But whatever show you're getting from me as an entertainer, and again, what is sports but the hustle? It's entertainment. Entertainment, yep. The feeling I get from my performance is different from four people and 40,000 people. Oh, I mean, it is. The I difference mean, it just, that I get. You know, it is, I mean, and just, when I get the different feeling, you're going to get a better show. I don't like that that's the way of it, but I'm a human. Right, right, As right. As an entertainer, I can tell you, and you know this, I'm sure you've been on stage for five people and 5,000 people. Oh, for sure, for sure. Like, you're going to give them the same performance yeah. What they give back to you? Oh gosh! Well, the, the, there's, there's a amplifies. There's a great clip of Lena Horne in um like in one of her shows on Broadway in 1981, and mm. she I mean she is just echoing that. I mean, like she, she's like you know, you know it's you know it's the old mixture of this you know song and spoken word the whole, you know the whole, the whole works and you know she lets mm-hmm. it be known just like. Look, you know, you know, you all are here. I mean, you, you, even if you don't think that, I, even if you don't think that I don't know what's going on, you know, I'm watching you. It's noticeable. It's tangible. You know, the, the, the you know, I, you know, the energy's there. And there are a few of you that might not be digging it. And there might be oh, and this is this one. She was like, and there might be some spirits around here that are trying to drive it down. But you all are turning it around, and I'm using it. And I'm oh yeah. I mean, that's what you do. And like, you know, Javi's a professional. I mean. He wants nothing more than you know. Then you know he's always trying to do his best, but he—they're just some of those entertainers that he's giving it everything he has. But when that day comes, when he's full of fans, it's—it's it's you know it's you know he's just going to give you more, <laughs> more. So, and speaking of more, Dodgers lineup is pretty—it's. You can't help but notice, though, ever since that, that play did happen, um, Doc Roberts is like, okay, my best catcher is going to play, is going to catch. Mm. <laughs> uh, but the yeah, lineup tonight, um, Mookie hitting leadoff, Corey, Justin, Muncy hitting cleanup, uh, Will Smith, DHing at fifth, Cody at six, CT three seven, AJ Pollock eighth, Austin Barn nine. This ought to be fun, fun, fun. Well, you know, it, it sounds like a case of oh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, and I well, well, and hopefully Doc lets Tony pitch if he's on his game. <laughs> I mean, just oh sure, by all means. I mean, let him pitch. I mean, but. This is what I, you know, tell some of those special fans. I'd love to, you know, tell Kenley who he is and what he's about. 
you can blame a manager, I mean, just in general, for so much. But in, in today's game, th- there's a script involved that does not involve the field manager. <laughs> that, that is front office shit. You know, we, we want, you know, the, we want this pitcher only facing so many hitters. We want this, we want that. And the field manager's got to adhere to it. And like you just said, I mean, they take into account with all of the all the stats, the 162 games, but with the postseason and on certain games, the heart and the and the and the bounces and and the and and the, and, and the funky stuff that that never comes into play. You never you never count on that, but it's always there. It's absolutely without question up to chance as much as it is up to skill and managing and strategy and luck. There there are so many factors that go into it in this day and age. As much as you quantify this game that is baseball, it's still fucking baseball. And on the sportsmanship tip, man, I'll wrap with this. On the sportsmanship tip, again, I say, man... Embrace that humanity aspect of this game. It's it's. I've always loved the diehard fans, even like even the, like we'll talk bitter Cub fans for a second. Like they're so in love with their team. Yes. They're so in love with yes. their team. They're blinded to the rest of the league. Right? Dude. Yes. Like, yes. Yes. I will always salute the fans. Yes. That stick with it. No. No. I mean, I, yes. Those fans that stick with it. You know, the ones that piss me off, I see it every every so often. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll see, for example. Uh, a New York Jets jersey mm-hmm. come through donation at Salvation Army, mm-hmm. or I'll see a Cleveland Browns jacket come through. Uh, you know, and, <laughs> well, and Browns are straight, right? Browns are okay. I mean, it's the Jets. I mean, I understand that. But, 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 I mean, right. but, but oh God! We got, got a bunch of New York Giants and New York Mets stuff, even New York Yankees stuff. Believe it or not, and it's like. Like, where's your loyalty? Right. You know, like, okay, so your team had a bad season, and this transfers to all walks of life. Like, your husband didn't have the greatest year financially, and he may not for several years, but there's going to be, if he's the type of guy that will keep going and keep getting up and going back next season for more, then you at least know that he won't fucking quit until he gets there. Ride that pony. Ride the pony that won't fucking quit. And these teams, no matter how bad they get their asses fucking beat, Miami Dolphins, (laughs) they just get up and they go back for more next year until one year. It's their fucking year, baby. And they get their parade. Look at the Dodgers. Eight years in a row they've been National League champions. And now for some reason, because it's a whole new season in the postseason, they haven't gotten all the way and clinched it. Well, tonight they do, in my opinion. Tonight is the now. night. <laughs> tonight is, it is. the night. I just, man, I feel it. All right, this is it. Tonight is the fucking night. You understand? I'm sick of all of these screw-ups. And... It's going to be so glorious when it happens. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell the landlord, like, look, 
when it happens tonight, I'm going to cry like a girl in your presence. Don't fucking judge me. Straight up, don't you fucking judge me, because it's one of the most beautiful things I will have seen in 30-some-odd years. What, 32 years now, right? 88. Yep, 32 years. So, 98, 08, 18, 32 years we've been waiting for a night like tonight. It's beautiful! <laughs> uh, you will be watching, I will be watching. We hope the rest of you all watch too, and we hope you all have a ple pleasant good day, afternoon, and a good night, wherever you are. It is time for Dodger Baseball. And this was your Hollywood Hustler. Hustle never sleeps, everyone. It's time for Dodger Baseball. Good night. No balls, two strikes, two out. Urias to Adonis. Call strike three! The Dodgers win! Finally! The wait is over! The Dodgers are the champions of 2020! In a year like no other, where joy has been so hard to come by! Tonight, tears of joy, let them flow! Tonight, there is joy in Mudville! The curse of 88! is 88 and out the gate and the Dodgers are celebrating out of the middle of the field between home plate and the pitcher's mound the Dodgers for the first time since 1988 32 seasons yeah. are the champions of baseball mundo de pie en el estadio ya en Texas con sus cámaras listo Julio lanzamiento cantado el tercer strike Y los Dodgers son finalmente, después de 32 años, los amos absolutos del béisbol de Grandes Ligas. Cae aquí en Los Ángeles el trofeo del comisionado decretando a los Dodgers de Los Ángeles como los monarcas del béisbol en el año 2020. Una temporada difícil. Ahora todos los jugadores han salido allá a Dickfield. Todos están en el clásico.
fine with me. It's like, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't at all want to turn my children into carbon copies of, of me. That's not what I'm interested in whatsoever. No, right. But, um, but with my daughter, <laughs> she, you know, we, she was four, we were four years old. So, I mean, she was four years old. She and her brother were four years old, my twins. And I took the kids out to the front of my house one day to play catch. And, you know, I, I had them, th- you know, toss them the ball, throw the ball back at me. Eli threw the ball back, and it was, you know, it was fine. You know, Izzy threw the ball back, and it, like, almost hurt. Like, she threw it, and, and <laughs> my, my, my glove popped a little bit. She's like, uh, he was like, Amanda Wurlitzer showed up in my daughter. I got to work this out. <laughs>
you know, you learn from, from people who are better than you. It's just, that's just, that's, I don't think that's, that's an incontrovertibly true fact, right? I mean, well, I mean, it, it, you know, that pains me that, you know, that, that portion, there is a portion of the creative community that thinks that way, because, you know, you know, for an actor or anybody that goes on the road and does shows, I mean, you know, the, you know, that's, you know, that, you know, that mirrors the, the minor league life. I mean, it, like for me, I mean, like, oh, two, oh, three, before I moved out to LA, I mean, I was doing shows in the South, Southeast, doing the bus ride, the, you know, the, the, the hotel, the, the Waffle House life. Waffle House. So, uh, Waffle House. Waffle House in the house. It's and, I, and the funny thing about Waffle House was, I knew that my I knew my focus within two years was moving out to L.A. And what did I know about L.A.? Okay, that there's a Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. I need to acclimate myself to chicken and waffles. So what better place than Waffle House to start, you know, getting you know my taste buds for that and. Dude, I straight had that for lunch today. Did you? Chicken and waffle. I did. No lie. (laughs) I feel chicken waffles in my future, probably the next month month or so. And I've wanted that. I mean, like, I can can make a good batch of fried chicken. I just need the waffles. I'm set. But, I mean, but it was that life because for me, it was like not only was I acting – you know, we were also, you know, putting up, you know, like, you know, setting up like makeshift stage and, and all that. So, like, we were all doing that. And unfortunately, there were some actors that were not participating as others should as far as setup. So, you know, but that, you know, that's all the experience. I mean, that's all a part of those 10,000 hours is the experience. 10,000 waffles. <laughs> <laughs> Whichever one comes close, whichever one comes close, believe me. <laughs> they tried, they tried, they really did. Because I'm like, I mean, like when I was on the, going on the road, I want to say that. I mean, I was hovering. I mean, I was trying to keep around 170, but Waffle House and 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 that was the first time I was introduced to Sonic. Like Sonic, it was just like all I need is a double cheeseburger and a chocolate Sonic. shake. I just cheeseburger and a double cheeseburger, a chocolate shake. I don't need any jail bait hitting on me, which always happened in every Sonic in Georgia and Florida. Now, every time it was like, no, thank you, no, thank you, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. So. Now, of course, if I was a minor league ball player, you know, that'd be a little different. You know, it'd be, you know I'd probably have to be at a Hooters or something like Chipper Jones. I don't know. You, let me tell you something. We loved, this was fun. <laughs> I mean, you know, we just we just wanted you to talk about the World Series and, you know, we talked Dodger history and things of that nature, solid gold. Yeah. I, I, fucking, fucking Tony tells me, Willie, Tony tells me, hey, you got another ten minutes in you? I know, I did say ten minutes. Well, I said that Willie was ready. Ten minutes <laughs> Maybe twenty. All right, maybe we'll go twenty. Like, no, oh, what are you like? I mean, look. I can't help it, guys. Well, yeah, look. Well, look. I mean, you know, and now, I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm juiced. Like, I mean, after I'm done, you know, cutting. Like, I mean, I hope to maybe I'll find the Bad News Bears, and I mean the Walter Matthau version. I mean, now I'm like, uh, you know, b- baseball season's over. Not gonna watch baseball films. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, 
Yeah. Oh, that's what I do. It's totally what I. I mean, like I, I. I mean, I usually don't get into them by until the new year, but this is a different type of year, so. I mean, yep. So I'm I'm down there, but I'm usually into my baseball movies by, you know, you know, like by mid January, like clockwork, but. You know, this year is totally. That's what I'm watching tonight. Oh, oh! Look at he's he's got 42 ready to go with Chadwick. Like, Kenny's got that. That's he,
got to spread it around. And one thing that John LaFlamme can do is spread around some R around the Chicagoland area. Uh, in normal, normally in Halloween holidays, such as this one for this month, uh, John would have two haunted houses in full swing. And, and at least, and, 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 I mean, and that's two. I mean, and you know, and he, you know, he's got a nice little horror empire, and you know, this is fun because he's not just about haunted houses. I mean, horror proms, y'all. I mean, like, you know, when when the movie Carrie just won't do, Zombie Army Productions can come through. Oh yeah. I mean, we like to party. I mean, we like to work, but we like to party. So we like to. Uh, we would turn our work into a hybrid of lots of work and lots of partying. And then we figured out, if we work real hard at a party, eh, we get to stay at the party. Um, so yeah, it's uh, we mix it up between haunted houses, as far as the eye can see, uh, and then throwing giant horror-themed parties like Chicago Zombie Prom or Orlando Zombie Prom or The Price is Fried in St. Louis. Uh, it's one party after another that, yeah some zombies in there, get a good DJ or a, or a good cover band that doesn't mind dressing up as zombies, and everybody's going to be okay. And one thing I've learned, one thing I've learned about these theme parties, once people get makeup on, once they get makeup on, it's almost like they just got a six-pack drunk. Like, once they have makeup on, their inhibitions are gone. You know, the dance floor is always packed at a zombie prom, uh, and that is just because we're ridiculous, and we don't mind acting the fool. And it's like, as zombies, or you know, in this horror world, we're just clowns with different shoes. Uh, whether that means doing a movie, a, a play, a, a haunted house, a, a giant themed event, it's all the same madness. It's all a party. You know, I'll say as a professional musician that partying at that level is actually hard town the next day or you got to be up for Waffle House at 4 a.m. You know, that's, that's tough work, man. Yeah, no, definitely as I got older, it got, uh, it got harder. You know, I mean, by all means, I, we worked hard together and we fucking partied hard together. I mean, like, how many hours of sleep do you average? I mean, you better be, I hope you're oh. up now, man. got be going Yeah. Up. This has been a this has been a bone of contention between me and my doctor. Um, I was a firm believer uh, that I had my sleep under control, uh, especially. I mean, I, I mean, if anyone knows anything about my body of work, really the last expansion of Zombie Army Productions, it's just been a huge expansion. We we we've, we've gone out into the woods out here in Lockport and created a brand new uh, haunted house, Hell's Gate. Of a nut house in the Midwest. We've also expanded on this huge 66 acre adventure park at the same time. So, paintball, airsoft, laser tag, all the zombie hunts, all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, and, you know, we've been pumping out tons of video uh, content. Uh, and, and in that time, I slowly convinced myself. <laughs> oh, it's great to be stupid. Uh, I slowly convinced myself that I was just. Three to four hours a night, and, and I had managed 
October, I'm like, oh my goodness, he's probably getting two or three hours of sleep a night. Yeah, no, that was about it. That was about it. Yeah, uh, kids, don't do that. Kids at home, <laughs> that was stupid. Uh, I learned tragically lots of lots of pitfalls in that behavior, <laughs> especially when you're not in your twenties anymore. <laughs> when, you're, when you're in your twenties, you can do anything on two hours of sleep. Oh, you tip over in the forties. In the forties, and after a few weeks, you feel like you're losing your mind and you're hallucinating. Indeed, indeed. Oh, man, I mean, I mean, twenties. I mean, I can remember living you know, two hours of sleep and, and do it and do it. I would do it three days, nights in a row. Yeah, yeah, sometimes I don't. Wait, two hours to sleep with me in my 20s. Like, no, I got shit to do. Um, but yeah, no, as, I've got, as I've gotten older, uh, I am much better at managing my time uh, when it comes to... Now I get like a solid five hours of sleep. Five works. Five works for you. Five, five works for you. Believe it. It, it works for you. Now, now because... Now, because of this year, I mean, you mentioned the paintball, which I wanted to talk to you about. Now, now that's basically been now has that been your alternative to go to for for this year, as far as you know, as far as you know, zombie army. I mean, I mean, as far as that day in, in March when everything shut down. Sure. What were you know what? What adjustments did you have to start making? You know, I mean, did you even, look, like, right away from March, were you thinking, I got to think about Halloween right then and there? Or, I mean, you know, did you kind of hold back on it? You know, what, what went on with your event? Yeah, um, I mean, a little bit. I think, I don't know if lucky is the right word. Um, I had a good I had a good eye on this virus a little bit before most of my friends uh, and peers were looking at it, and, and it's not because, like, I'm, you know, super smart or anything. It was only because, like most human beings, when it affects you personally, uh, you start looking at things a little bit more seriously. Uh, and I have family that lives in Italy, and and I got to see firsthand, you know. And this is not just distant family. This is my cousin I lived with in high school. This is close family, and, and I got to see, you know, via Facebook Messenger, you know, those those, those first messages. Of, hey, that, that virus is here. Things are getting a little crazy. And a few days later, hey, hey, Johnny, these are actual photos from our grocery stores. You know, and, and empty shelves, like it was a movie. Uh, and then, Johnny, they're shutting down our neighborhood. We're not allowed to leave. And then, and then the last one that just crushed my heart, Johnny, I have it. Oh. And and they're deciding which 40-year-olds to let die. Um, yeah, that's, that was my introduction to this virus, was when it was in Italy, before it really ravaged us, was seeing it. And Italy is not a third-world country. This is a very developed nation with wonderful hospitals and doctors. Um, and, and if it could do it that fast, that's how I knew we were in real trouble. Uh, that, that's how I knew it was coming. It was inevitable. Uh, this is not something we're going to be able to stop. The best we can do is mitigate, right? Uh, so yeah, March, I knew early March, the Haunted House Convention was going to be closed. Uh, and by the first week of April, I had already made my decision that the Haunted Houses faced a 99% chance of being shut down this October. Uh, and I started preparing for that in April. I mean, I'm in the mass indoor event game. 
Hold out. Hold yeah, out. that's that's my whole career. I mean, that little intro you gave, that's everything, right? Giant parties at bars, and giant convention parties, and haunted houses here, haunted houses there. That's what I do for a living. Right. So, yeah, when, when I saw what was happening around the world, when I saw the theaters shut down, when I saw Broadway shut down, when I saw all the other mass events get shut down, Yes, as a haunted house owner and producer, I knew that's us too. Shut down. Um, but that being said, like I said, with paintball, you know, I just got into this paintball business just two years ago. This is not a big plan for Zombie Army. It's almost an accident, like we fell into it. Um, but with, like most things, you know, I've got a great production company here with amazing people, like really talented folks. Um, so if I could expand our company, to expand their potential, their their opportunity to make money throughout the year. Uh, and also, I don't like neighbors. And this is the 66 acres directly next to Hell's Gate. So that seemed to all make sense to me. Um, so yes, I am incredibly fortunate. Uh, and I feel incredibly grateful that, you know, yes, I lost, I lost 85 to 90% of our total income. Um, but I'm sitting here really grateful. I'm sitting here really grateful that every weekend I'm at the paintball park. Every weekend I'm hustling around cases of paint, slinging paint, selling beers. Um, because yeah, we're gonna we're gonna survive 2020 so that we can thrive in 2021. And uh, real grateful that paintball park because that's what's keeping the lights on right now. Well, and, it's, and you know, for Chicago or for the Midwest, I mean, you can go with that until. I mean, I mean, before weather really got na- gets nasty, I mean, you know, you can go to mid de- mid mid December, and you know the way you know was. <laughs> I mean, you, you may be able to just keep that puppy going. I mean, I mean yeah. we don't have we don't have the cold winters like we used right. to. So I mean, you know, happy accident. And, and that's just it. We're, we've decided to leave it open all year. If you want to make a reservation, we'll be there because. Where the hell else are we gonna be? It covers a lot of boxes. I mean, with all due respect, have been locked down. Need to do something. Yep. Get out the aggression. Oh god. <laughs> there, I mean, you know, sign me up right there. That's one there too. Then you know, you got your twenties, you got your millennials, all that. I mean, they're gonna want to sign up. I mean, you got your all your groups. I mean, so. The windfall has been, it, 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 you know, in the very beginning, with a lot of this stuff, people resisted doing doing safety first. Sure. People like, oh, no, I'm not going to listen to the CDC. I'm going to make up my own rules because I know an optometrist that said this about the virus. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, didn't, I didn't do that. Uh, I'm very blessed with the ability to read and comprehend, so I did. And I based even the paintball park, which is outdoors, I based everything I did on what the scientists and the, the frackin' doctors said. Because I know that I have a theater degree. Who, who the hell cares what my opinion is? <laughs> I have a theater degree, for crying out loud. So I'm going to listen to those guys that went to medical school. <laughs> um, and, and I implemented all of those things with my park as well. So, so even though it is outdoors, I still restricted everything down to 25%. Uh, I, I closed it all down. It's mandatory wearing masks outside, uh, which bothers a lot of people that don't understand things. 
Um, but I didn't care. You know, the way I looked at it was, I'm not going to open anything. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to partake in spreading this virus through my community. I'm not going to be part of that. Um, so this is what I'll do. And if you want to come and play here where it is safer, and there's no such thing as 100% safe, baby, it is on my website. Nothing I'm doing is going to make you 100% safe. That's not how any of this works. That's right. Um, but I'm going to do my best. So we did smaller groups, masks are mandatory. We mitigated everything, spread everybody out. And the windfall has been all the people, all the competition that did it the wrong way. Well, eventually customers didn't feel safe there anymore. And now they feel safe. Uh, where Zombie Army is doing business. They feel safe uh, coming out here with their family. Uh, parents who are educating the children at home uh, feel real safe getting those kids out of here, having a couple beers, and sending the kids out there to shoot each other.
this on your own. And it, and it really was like, do you take responsibility for the money that you're making? You know, it's like you're, you're making an, an agreement with these customers where they're coming and giving you their money. Um, they, of course, expect you to keep them safe the same way any business would keep them safe. Um, so it's really about design. You know, design, design, design. Safety has to be the very first thing you design with all of your haunted house designs. Um, I know a lot of people are like, it's about the scaring. Eh, no one gets to scare anybody if people are getting hurt all the time. Uh, it's about the design. You have to design a safe location. You have to adhere to all of the rules for fire safety, for crying out loud. Um, so I know it's, it, it, it seems insane that there's this world that is terrifying and, and feels like pure chaos and and everyone's just running around and chainsaws and fireballs and dragons. And, and how could that be safe? But, you know, the same way a roller coaster that goes upside down is, you know, the same way. It's we've designed it to, to bring you to the edge. But we know we're taking care of you the entire time. Um, that's good design. Now, that's not to say they're all designed safely. But ours are. Zombie uh, Army leads with safety. I mean, I teach safety across the country. I'm a consultant for other haunted houses for safety. Um, when, when fire departments want to know how to do it in Illinois, they call us and they ask us if they can come do a tour so that we could show them how to do it. Uh, a lot of the safety standards now in Illinois were started here with Zombie Army. Um, so to answer your question in a very long-winded, around-the-block way, it's safe because you care. you gotta, you got to care, uh, and you got to be willing to pay for that. Uh, you can't just want safety. You got to pay for it. You got to build it, and you got to make it part of your foundation as a designer. Well, I suppose you want the customers coming back next season and not necessarily dying in the haunted house for real. Because there is more money to be made on that. There is more money yes. to be made on that. It's kind yep. of fun. It's, I mean, you know, I mean, it, it, it does offer a sense of style. I mean, that, that's that's a that's a heavy upgrade. Like. <laughs> Yeah, and I'll tell you, there are some there are some audience members that, that wouldn't be happy unless you yeah, totally pull totally. off your own arm and beat them out to death with it. There are some of them. There's like, oh, none of it was real. And it's like, oh shit. It's as real as this, baby. It's as real as death. I think a few of them have not come back. I, I you know, it happens. You know, you lose a few. You lose a few. Now. You lose a few. <laughs> you lose a few. Now, now, in normal years, your two, your two haunted house locations for normal years. I mean, you have the one in Joliet. That's the prison. Now, where's the location of the other haunted Crest Hill. It's in Crest Hill. So, I mean, so Statesville, Statesville Haunted Prison. Statesville Haunted Prison is in Crest Hill, which is right next to Joliet. And uh, Hell's Gate Haunted House is in Lockport, which also borders Joliet. So, pretty easy to find. They have... Both haunted houses are within 10 minutes of each other. And was this a real prison? Or are you just doing the haunted prison name? I mean, just, you know, yeah. Listeners. I mean, just for our listeners that... Sure. I mean, they, sure. Would, they would want to know, it's like, is it, is it, was it a really a prison? <laughs> uh, Stateville, maximum security prison, is in fact... Statesville, haunted prison, is not. So we are we are within the shadow of the actual prison, just just down the cornfield from the real prison. Oh, there's there's a spook factor in that. Believe me, yeah. I, 
But that, that prison's still full of people, so that's a different kind of scary. Um, and I'd rather not. <laughs> now, you know, now, which one, you know, which one was first? Now, you know, in Orbeez, I mean, we did, we, I worked with you on Navy Pier. Now, did you have the Joliet prison before Navy Pier? I mean, yeah. So, I mean, just, you know, as far as the chronological, you know, chronological order, how did you uh, start each one? Sure. I, so I started, uh, Statesville was, was actually a location that existed before me. Uh, the year before I graduated college, uh, a farmer named Paul Siegel was doing a hayride where he was telling actual ghost stories when the prisoners actually escaped from the real prison and were hiding in the family corn fields and stealing the family. Like these things actually happened. So cool foundation. Uh, and he had a little like black maze walkthrough, right? So I graduated college as a theater major with a thesis about how to make interactive theater as a haunted house. That a theater company could create could create their own marketplace by tearing down all the walls of these museum-looking haunted houses and create an interactive theatrical experience. So that was my thesis in 1998. I graduated with that in hand, handed it to the farmer, uh, Mr. Siegel, and he said, yeah, okay, there's the building. Uh, and that's kind of how that started, right? So uh, that's I started in uh, Statesville in 98 uh, with my production company. Um, the next year, I opened a haunted house called The Haunted Spaceship in Bridgeview that was in a golf dome. Uh, several years after that, I did The Dragon's Dome, also in a golf dome. Um, I designed domes quite well. Uh, uh, let's see. <laughs> then there was The Dicka Dome. Golf dome. Uh, that's three. The Coach Iron Mike did good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. They wanted a little bit of the haunted house action, so I designed, produced one for them one year. Uh, and then uh, Navy Pier, we started Navy Pier in 2000, and I believe it was 2008 was the first year. Uh, then we ran that for three years there. Uh, they, uh, The political powers that be at Navy Pier decided Chicago did not want a haunted house. Instead, we're going to replace you with a beer garden for an Oktoberfest. Um, brilliant. Uh, so two years later, they brought us back because that didn't work out. <laughs> we, had, we had a lot of success that year. And then we did the, what is now infamous Very Chicago history. Um, <laughs> Navy Pier we had construction. And so we had this great pickle of a math problem. Where do you put a haunted house when you don't have any ground left? Uh, and so the idea was a barge. You build a haunted house and you put it on a barge. Uh, and we did that. We, we did that. We brought that to uh, Riot Fest first without the barge. We did a full haunted house at Riot Fest. Uh, Slayer came through it. Um, Macaulay Culkin came through it. Uh, who else came through it? There's really, oh, Guar! Guar came through it. Which is like of the coolest thing ever. Of course they did. Yeah. They never came through it, but we brought it backstage, you know, and we pretended to have a backstage experience. And we're like, would you like some fruit snacks? Or some granola bars? <laughs> it's like, we're not math people. We're taking care of actors like, like moms. <laughs> All we can share is our fruit snacks with Guar. Uh, but we, we rocked that out at Guar. That went really, really well. And then we took that haunted house and put it on a barge. And, and this is where the infamous part starts. On Halloween 2014, a freak storm came across Lake Michigan, 
and 23-foot waves battered Navy Pier, just destroyed Navy Pier. I mean, incredible damage to the pier, uh, but also sunk my haunted house to the bottom of Lake Michigan. So yes, I am the only man in the United States who has had a haunted house sink to the bottom of a lake. So the next obvious question is how do you start guiding tours in 2021 for your underground sunken haunted house? Hey, I was right with you, but my insurance guy put a full stop on it. I thought we give scuba equipment. We tell him it's the first and only true money back haunted house. If you make it through the end of that haunted house at the bottom of the lake. Yeah, you get a gold star. That you have to fucking yeah, no, insurance, insurance guy. Yeah, get in the way. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they don't understand good times. They don't understand that. They're also the ones that said I couldn't release live baboons in my haunted house. <laughs> insurance regulations permit, man. And don't get me started on the insurance industry. I was a licensed health and uh, life and health agent myself. I could I could underwrite the entire conversation as a high risk myself. <laughs> and it, it but it all plays in again to that illusion of uh, safety. Oh well, I have a policy for that, so I should be safe. Right. You know, if something goes wrong, I'll be restored to whole. Like, there's a question for you. How do you insure a haunted house against freak storm accidents across Lake Michigan that sink it? Well, you know, you get the biggest policy you can. You inform the insurance company that it's on a barge. You do all of that. And you do it all right. And you pay all the money because they love taking the premium. Uh, and then they call you and say, we're breaking up with you. Don't call us ever again. Uh, and they deny you covering it. So I actually had to fight for four plus years. Uh, uh, through a lot of it, I had to represent myself uh, against the insurance companies and Navy Pier and the barge company. Uh, yeah, it was a two and a half million dollar lawsuit. They were coming after the theater guy for all the money, even though I had the insurance. Yeah, but it all worked out. I won. Take that insurance company. <laughs> Now, now, during the break, uh, your company's done three movies, three films, uh, Ed Counts? I guess. Um, I mean, a bunch of shorts, features. I've produced a couple features. I guess it depends, yeah, what part we're working on. Have you been putting any pen to paper for any uh, stories during this idle time? Yeah, actually, I've been talking with Mike Bradish, uh, my number one guy. Uh,
uh, because we do know that is the difference between mass distribution and, you know, we were very grateful for the distribution we had. You know, we were in many, many, many places. Um, but, you know, a couple more names get you further down the road. And to do that, we're going to need some advanced funding. So we have that going. Um, we're also looking at uh, uh, The Adventures of Kitty Zombie. I don't know if you remember, we, we put out a little spec uh, pilot for that years ago, which was about a lovable zombie with the uh, body of a body of a killer, mind of a puppy, and he's saved by these uh, by these uh, children, these four children, hide him in their, uh, their tree house and protect him. Um, so that's our kitty zombie kind of love story. It really is like an ode to all the early, you know, and, uh, and just monster movies I saw. That's a big show for the audience. That, that's Kitty, as in Kitty Cat? Yes. Kitty Zombie. Kitty Zombie Kid. Yeah. The Adventures of Kitty Zombie. And you, you can check it out. I mean, it's online for free. We made it. We made it as a pilot, and then we just put it online for free. Um, uh, we just had fun making it. So check it out. It's on It's on the website, The Adventures of Kitty Zombie. It's also a YouTube video at this point. Uh, but we're taking that down, and we're, we're actually reformatting it as animation and taking another pass, bringing that out to the market to try to sell it because it, it really – kind of lends itself to pure animation and right now with the pandemic pure animation is a lot easier to get made so beyond that yeah i'm writing i'm writing we're trying to get some stuff made trying to get some tv shows made trying to get a movie produced good good cool uh you kidding always irons in the fire that's the trick so here's a question for you out of left field in your opinion top three best Horror film franchises and why? Go. Why? Hmm. And why? All right. Yes. All right. And and the why? Now, franchise really, or just horror movies? Because you're not gonna get a lot out of franchises out of me. I mean, I'm gonna go. If I go third place, all right. I'm gonna go Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, and it's because uh, of my love affair with Robert England and his ability yeah. to bring comedy into something so terrifying. And his one-liners in those early movies, even though I was just terrified, and my mother probably let me watch them way too early in life, um, I love those movies, and I love Robert England. It's why I cast him in The Mole Man of Belmont Avenue, uh, because he had that impact on me as a kid when it came to comedy horror. Um, Franchises. Now, boy, oh boy, uh, I have a hard time. I know what my number one is. But as far as franchises, I, I'm just not a big follower of franchises. So I'm, I'm, I'm hard-pressed for what number two even is, except that I can just say, you know, Halloween is, it's got to at least be respected mm-hmm, as sure. an iconic horror franchise in this genre. Uh, and, and so I do respect it for that, although I am not a huge fan. I like the original and everything after that. I just kind of, eh. um, but for me, uh, and, and I've always said this, my, my favorite horror film, uh, what I think is the scariest movie ever made, and it is my number one horror film, and, and it is a franchise, although I don't think any of the other movies even come close to the original. The greatest horror movie ever made was Jaws, people. Jaws is the greatest horror movie ever made. And, and the, the reason the reason is, is real specific. There is no other horror movie in the entire canon of horror films that ruined economies. There's no other movie that messed up America so bad they were afraid to swim in ponds 
ruined people's economies in beach towns. I'm not going to get the tub and take a bath because if I turn on the water and then the dog's going to come out. And so I mean, <laughs> So that is happening. 
happened, and uh, I, I worked on, I worked with Ryan Murphy on uh, The People vs. O.J., and I was and I was doubling for Cuba Gooding Jr. So uh, so in one my in my the main double scene they had me work on was uh, was the Bronco scene. So <laughs> no who you are, uh-huh. who you are, no matter who, it could be anything. We're doing fake make believe here, people, but it does not matter. Your back is turned, and you just see this army of blue and white coming for you nobody else you you know that gets in your mind dog uh-huh. <laughs> oh i just want to shout out to the movie joyride and how fucking scary ted levine was on the cb radio that you, you ever seen that one oh yeah <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, like, yeah i hardly recall Steve's on and and they pissed off the wrong trucker and it, it, you don't even, that's the point, you don't even see the trucker. All you hear over the CB radio is his voice, and they got Ted Levine to do the voice. Man. Oh. <laughs> spookiest, spookiest hour and a half on the road ever. Nice. Now, you got to go back and look at that one. This, you, know, you, now you mentioned Robert England, and, and you know, Kenny was going, you know, as far as franchises and favorite movies. Like, God, that was my favorite by far. That was like with Robert England. For me, you know, for me, like I was a teenager when he did Nightmare on Elm Street, and in my eye, like I just saw him play Willie, the friendly alien in V. Yes, I loved him.
then somebody nudges me and says, you got to go give him direction. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, from like that moment to, you know, closing down a bar in Chicago, you know, I took him to the long room because the long room's my favorite bar. And I wanted him to see it. We, we drank till way beyond closing. And, and that's, when I, that's when I knew, like, that's when I knew Robert set me up because we drank till like three in the morning and, uh, he had a nice hotel to go back to and rest the next day. He was not on set. I had a 6 a.m. call uh, on Mole Man, which I was also an actor in, uh, not just directing. Um, so, yeah, pretty sure Bobby set me up that day. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. Uh, but, no, there's, it's, it's, I have fun ever. I mean, we got to hang out with the, the whole cast of Pet Cemetery a couple years ago on the bus. Um, God, there's an actress that I don't know very well. Uh, so I'm going to mess up her name, so I'm not even going to try. She played Marcy on uh, Married with Children, uh, and she was in Friday Night. Amanda Beers from uh, Friday Night. Friday night. Yeah, Amanda Beers. Thank yeah. you. Okay. So I, I, I saw her speak last year, mm-hmm. and, and man, I just full-on, like, artistic crush for that woman. Like, she is just the greatest human being, <laughs> a wonderful, wonderful artist in every respect. Yeah, yeah. She gave such a nice talk at the, uh, there, was, there was some camera trouble, some AV equipment always happens. Uh, at the flashback weekend, um, we were doing, we were showing uh, Fright Night, and, and, and so she was there, and everything went bad. You know, the introduction went bad, the AV went bad, everything went bad. And you got this whole, you know, hundreds of people waiting, right? And you know, I mean, us horror nerds, you know, we're all about, you know, what we're there for. Um, and she just grabbed that mic. And it was just kind of like hanging out, just talking. Hey, guys, how you doing? You want to hear a story? And she was just delightful. And like, so I just felt like, like I got a full on, like, artistic crush for that woman. Like, I would work with her for her uh, in any way possible just because I think she's a pretty awesome human. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I got to work, I got to, you know, Spent a lot of close time with George Romero. I mean, and that was that was really great. Um, nice, nice. You know that that was a big impact for me, uh, just because George Romero and you know how it influenced me. Indulgence with some George Romero. I mean, some, I know. Oh, I mean, he is a he. he you know, as cantankerous heart as you ever heard. I mean, that man was tired of the bullshit at convention. That was all real. <laughs> um, but he was just a, he's just a guy wanting to make movies. Man, like that was the thing about George. Like, I really felt put him on this kind of pedestal that that he did not want to maintain. You know, I, I never felt from George in any of our conversations that that he wanted to be that thing everybody wanted him to be. He just wanted to make another movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it really felt like it's just another filmmaker wanting to make a movie. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I just thought he was a solid guy, and his crankiness just delighted me. <laughs>
Um, Lloyd Kaufman's never made anybody rich, but he's gotten a lot of content out there. Uh, and he's always been fun, too. I've always enjoyed talking to him. I got to work with him on The Art of Pain, uh, which is a little-known indie film uh, directed by Matt Brookins here in Chicago. I was the lead bad guy in the movie. Lots of kung fu, killing, killing nerds and kung fu. Uh, yeah, but in that movie, I got to punch out Lloyd Kaufman. Uh, I had the greatest time. Uh, and I, and I really loved that because I got to punch him out. I did my gig, and like I said, it was independent and low budget, so that as soon as I was off set, I became his driver and hammer to get him around the city. And, and I loved him for his honesty because I had asked him about distribution for the movie, you know, what he thought we could do. And he said, John, listen to me, kid. Listen, listen, kid. I got one piece of advice for you. One piece of advice. Don't sell your movie to me. You'll never make a penny. <laughs> Chicago. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a storefront theater, um, which we do 
incredibly powerful uh, Meisner-based work, and, and, and man, it has just been an absolute joy to be an ensemble member there, uh, and a heartbreaker uh, to have gone. We've had a really great year of these really successful shows. We won the Jeff Award a year ago uh, for Requiem for a Heavyweight. Uh, just in, in love with this theater, in love with being there, uh, and then COVID happened. Yeah, and, and that's that's terrible for Chicago Storefront Theater. Uh, not, enough, not enough people are talking about the fact that we're going to lose a lot of our a lot of our culture, you know, with these small music venues, small theater venues. Um, so being that I am, you know, the spooky guy uh, with lots of spooky toys, uh, I came up with an idea to do uh, ghost stories. You know, since we cannot have you in our home during the pandemic, we're going to bring stories to your home. Ghost stories from the artistic home. So. Uh, every Friday in October, I have had ensemble members read ghost stories with some production value behind them uh, on our website and on our Facebook at the Artistic Home Ensemble. Uh, and each one of those ghost stories is its own independent fundraiser. So yes, if uh, if you could, if, if you have it within your means to help Chicago Storefront Theater, uh, this is one little storefront theater uh, that has put out five ghost stories uh, for, for Chicagoland to take in, for the whole world to take in. It's all on Facebook. It's all free. You don't have to pay. It's all free. Uh, we do desperately want to tell stories. And if they could help donate, that's fantastic. My, I filmed all the intros, and my ghost story goes on Friday. So my ghost story is coming up in a couple, door, a couple days. I'm doing the uh, old campfire ghost story of uh, so yeah, I got that going on. Of course, Days of the Living Dead is our reality behind the scenes of all this. Uh, I highly recommend, if you've never heard of Zombie Army, and why would you? I mean, we're not that big a deal. Uh, but you got internet. Uh, I have like 10 seasons of the behind the scenes of the Haunted House world uh, that you can go ahead and binge. They're only five-minute episodes. They're a blast. They bring you backstage of Statesville Haunted Prison, Hell's Gate Haunted House, and, and me just going on the road with my Zombie Army crew on the Zombie Army bus. So you can check all that out at daysofthelivingdead.com. And uh, yeah, other than that, I'm just I'm throwing parties and events and outdoor scavenger hunts and outdoor zombie hunts and, and all these events for all my cast and crew of Zombie Army. I have 500 actors and crew members, uh, and I've shut my haunted houses down because of the pandemic. Because, well, that's the only responsible thing to do. Uh, so instead, I've been just hosting these private events for them here on the weekend. Now, that's not to promote to anybody. That's just what I'm doing with my time is throwing private events for the kids that are all outdoors with masks and safe to give them something to do. But, yes, I got a lot going on considering my entire livelihood is shut down. Uh, but And if you want to come play paintball, ha, yeah, outdoors, get some get some. Get some activity, some cardio, get some adrenaline going. It's a natural social distance thing. You're not supposed to get within 10 foot of another player anyway. Uh, so come on out. You know, come play pew pew. Swing some pain. It's a good time. And that's at LegacyAdventurePark.com. Legacy Adventure Park, and that is in Lockport, Illinois, minutes away from Chicago, Illinois. Hello. Yeah, baby. Man, that's a lot. That's a lot to have on one plate, even during the shutdown. You are definitely not the sit still type. Um, <laughs> nope. I'm, I'm telling you, I want to. I want to come out and shoot some kids with <laughs> paintballs in a responsible manner while I'm wearing a mask. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know. I'll have some free passes for you. All you gotta do is pay for your paint. I'll give you some free passes for your gear and for your bill passes. Just buy your own paint. We're cool. 
with us, but let's have some fun. <laughs> you don't play with us, but I'm fucking done. We bring you jams. Let's have it. Oh, yeah? Well, you weren't so hot yourself, Chase. You know, you can tell a lot about a man by the size of his banjo. And listen, gals, never go out with a guy whose idea of a good time is running over lizards with his hot rod. But just because I'm never going out with that jerk again doesn't mean it's all over between you and me, darling. So whenever you want to get up close and personal, you know where to find me. Until next time, unpleasant dreams. Ha 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 